Welcome, everyone, to episode 121 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm here with Logan. Yo! And Carlos. Jesus. Third time's a charm. And we did our <laughs> second part of our reviews for the winter 2020 season today. And uh, it was another really good one. Overall, I'd say this season was a, was a blast to watch and to talk about. Um, some good, some bad, but overall just a lot of fun stuff to, to talk about. And um, I I really did enjoy talking about it. And honestly, I've enjoyed talking about all the other stuff we, we kind of went over. There's a lot of really exciting changes that have been coming with our kind of community and our podcast. And we'll talk yeah. about some of those. Um, you know, once we get started, but uh, I appreciate all you guys who are who are part of that, and um, I'm really excited of where things are going. Yep, yeah, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Thank you guys so much uh, for being a part of our community, and uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, enjoy. think the theme song gets old no <laughs> it which certainly doesn't <laughs> <laughs> which is good because like i hope it doesn't get old because this is what you guys are going to be hearing for a long time <laughs> <laughs> we certainly heard it a, a lot in the run-up to uh it's, that is yeah it's very true <laughs> kind of so and iterations and many different versions sometimes native would throw us kind of like a two that sound almost identical and make us really listen to see if we can tell what the difference is <laughs> God, that was i i listened to both of those so many times yeah and even even the, like the one in particular at the end where he was like i want to see if you guys can tell the difference and i felt like it was a test or uh -huh, something i and know like, <laughs> even even when i thought i could tell that even i like listened to him side by side and i'm like i think that's a little different <laughs> i tried to like line them up to start at the same time and see if i could or like slightly yeah. offset so I could hear sounds and stuff. I don't know. But in the end, we got there and we love it. We got it. Yeah. I, I, it was a fun, it was a fun process. It kind of reminded me a little bit of when we initially were kind of building the concept for iChon and slowly kind of coming up with all of the different, you know, ideas. And while we weren't the ones necessarily doing it, which is like with the music, it was native with iChon, it was Chanel. Um, you know, we were getting our, to have input each step in the process, which I thought was really fun. And it kind of reminded me of that. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, fun experience. For sure. So part two, 
before twenty twenty three. Yeah, before Jeff. Before we talked about this. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Damn I'm it, so Jeff. bad at this. We have other new changes as well. New theme song, and we're now on Patreon. Woo! Yeah, yeah. So if you feel like supporting us uh, financially to help us expand our breadth of activities um, and help cover the costs of, you know, just even running the podcast and the website and all of that, because sadly it's not a, uh, a free thing. <laughs> Fortunately. Um, yeah. You can uh, head over to our Patreon and donate some money. Um, we got three tiers right now. A uh, $1, you know, just thanks for supporting us kind of tier. And two other ones that have some goodies tied to them. And no, no matter what uh, tier you, you go for, uh, you're, you're at the very least getting um, access to uh, Patreon-only channel and Discord. Uh, and we're, you know, thinking up some other stuff. Uh, and like Logan said, you know, go check out uh, the, the uh, other two tiers as well because um, we'll, we'll probably be having more content here very, very soon. And um, I don't know if we've said this enough through Discord, but for those of you who did support us, we are absolutely blown away by how quickly and how much you guys were willing to support us for. Yeah. We, uh, uh, we, honestly, we were scrambling. Was not yeah. <laughs> I would say it's an understatement to say I was overwhelmed to see how much support and how quickly the support came in. Uh, it was, I wasn't even in the ballpark as to what I expected the reaction to be. And you guys really came out and, and surprised us and overwhelmed us. And I think, I mean, it's kind of like, I look at it as a way while the financial support is definitely going to make it possible for us to expand and do more, um, I think I also, it's just another, the way I look at it at least is it, it's another way that we can do more for you as the listeners and as our community and discord and everything. Like I'm excited to have the, the ability to do more for you guys. Cause you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what makes this all fun is that you guys are there. So I want to make sure that we give back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're no longer, uh, we're no longer podcasting into a void like when we started in 2016. No, no, we still are. There's just are we? on the fringes there are people. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, we've just sucked some other people into uh-huh. the, the void. void. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Carlos, That's have so you heard of Idle Hell? Oh God, have <laughs> I heard of Idle Hell? Uh, yeah. My poor wallet. <laughs> uh huh. Um, but yeah, so she felt the fiery flames of Idle Hell. <laughs> God, and they burn. Bright. They burn all. They burn all my money to a crisp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Some some fun rewards for the the tiers, um, and then we do have a few goals for, um, you know, the amount that we get every month. So our first goal was to, uh, make an idle themed podcast, and we surpassed that goal pretty quickly. So expect that at some point uh in the near ish future as we kind of hash things out and get everything figured out we're gonna have an idle theme podcast for you guys to listen to Woo! yeah i think for i think for all the goals that was the one i was the most excited about and i genuinely <laughs> didn't think 
I just didn't think we were going to reach it anytime soon. Yeah. So like the fact that we're announcing it on the podcast and we've already reached it is just mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then our next goal um, is a little, you know, a little ways to go for this one. Um, another $65 of donations every month. Um, but it's one that the community seems to be kind of uh, excited for. And that is a hentai theme podcast that we'll do. <laughs> uh-huh. It's funny because you're the one who designed the, the goals, but I uh, yeah. feel like you had me in mind and I appreciate it. I did. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, they seem excited for it. So, I mean, maybe not all of them. I mean, it's definitely not everyone's thing uh, as is uh, a show we'll be getting to a little later on foreshadowing, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that will definitely, I mean, granted, Technically, all our podcasts are label ex- uh, explicit, but that one might be a little bit more. So, yes, it's super explicit. <laughs> yeah, disclaimer, guys. I probably won't be uh, on that one. So yeah, if, <laughs> if you're looking, if you're looking to hear Jeff, uh, you know, talk about hentai. Just don't uh-huh. expect that. Yeah, <laughs> we need to we need to get uh, Dijon for those podcasts, and we need him to do the entire review in his Carl voice from Awkward because he. If you don't know, like if you if you're not a part of our Discord, like one of our regulars is a is an old friend of mine, um, named DJ, who does probably the best Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force impression I've ever heard. Um, I don't think he can maintain that for a whole episode, but it'd be amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh god, yeah, but we're we're getting close to that. I mean, it's not that that close, but you know, slow progress, yeah. but still progress for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, we're, we're super excited about that. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash anime arcade. Go give it a look. And if you feel like throwing a few bucks our way, we would love to do it. If not, we like sincerely, we appreciate you listening anyways. Yeah. Um, it, this is all about you guys. It's not about us. Um, and we look forward to giving you guys more content, oh, more stuff to do. It's mostly about you guys, but then a little bit is also about idols because we just kind of want to. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I lied. <laughs> I it's apologize. Just to, it's just to broadcast, you know, idols to to other humans and suck them into idol hell. It's all it's all a trap, really. Eh, oh eh, shit! I'm not. Eh. I, I said the out loud part, or the yeah. I said the quiet powder out loud. Damn it! No. no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, but yeah, like Jeff was saying, uh, part two. So uh, please continue your thought, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, part two of the Winter 2020 reviews. I actually remembered it was Winter 2020 this time. I'm proud on of the you. last one. Yeah. I, what did I you say in the last one? I don't remember. Uh, I, I yeah, he in just... the moment forgot what season it was. Uh-huh. Like I always do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no cuts. <laughs> <laughs> one take. One take. Um, but yeah, Winter 2020. Uh, this is the, uh, the wrap-up. Um, and... Today, let's just jump right in. We'll jump in with uh, with one of my picks uh, from the draft, and uh, that's Bang Dream Season 3. Um, this is uh, a uh, Sanzigen, Sanzigen Studio production. I think they picked it up after... I'm not sure if they did Season 1, but um, anyway. Uh, we pick up uh, Season 3 uh, after... Uh, Poppy Puzz, um, 
uh, self live in season two or self run live in season two. Uh, and pretty much immediately, um, we're told that, uh, there's going to be this new, like, uh, girls band, um, competition called the, uh, bang dream girls band challenge. Uh, essentially all the, you know, girl bands in the area, which is apparently an absolute ass ton of them, uh, will be competing against each other, like putting on shows and, you know, uh, the shows they do, like people will vote online for them and based on their popularity, uh, at the, at the end of it, the top two bands will go to Budokan and, you know, perform and for like, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Um, I, I won't go over everything cause we're try I'm trying my best not to, you know, do that in reviews anymore. Uh, but, uh, for the most part in this season, like, uh, a lot of the other seasons, it focus on, focuses on one band. Uh, and this one, it definitely focused on Raz, uh, Reza Sulin, who were, uh, kind of introduced a little bit in season two. They were a big part of, um, uh, of the story in season two with, uh, them trying to scout away, um, uh, one of uh, Puppy Po's members, uh, uh, Otai, sorry. I, my, my mind was like Lisa and I'm like, nope, wrong member, <laughs> wrong band. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters in, in Bang Dream, but yeah, uh -huh. so, uh, Reza Sulin is trying to replace uh, Otai, who is go who they wanted to scout away as their guitarist. Uh, eventually, they find um, Roka, who uh, in Reza Sulin, each each uh, band member gets like a new quote unquote cool nickname, and they're all in English because uh, the producer is uh, really into saying English words, kind of like Mari, just maybe a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, she becomes, Roka becomes Locke. But of course, when they say her name, sometimes it sounds like rock. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they eventually scout her. She's the, uh, from season two, she's like the the shy, um, she's like a staff member at, I think, Galaxy. You could correct me if I'm wrong. But it, like, there's a bunch of different venues. Um, and she plays this really cool, like, headless guitar that I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, and Native assures me is a thing, so I, I'm mm -hmm. inclined to believe him since he made our intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it's a lot of like there's a lot of kind of drama in, in this one with uh, with Reza Sulin because uh, Reza Sulin's producer in season two, Chutu, uh, she's like their also their DJ on stage. She tried to go to Roselia and be like, I want to be your guys' producer. And you, uh, Yukina shut her down. Like, she's like, we don't need a producer. You know, we make our own music. And Chutu, like, is very childish. So instead of taking that on the, you know, on the chin, like, okay, you know, they clearly already have their sound. She takes it as, oh, I've just been slighted. So <laughs> for half of the season, it's really just her trying to um, uh, get back at, at uh, you know, um, Roselia via this uh girls band challenge uh to the point where at one point they uh they have a, a band like they have a, a competition like chutu actually calls them out and says you know i challenge you guys to a, like a band competition um and i'm not gonna lie like I, I don't i didn't like chutu a lot through a lot of the show like, she's such a brat and such a little asshole that i was just like it almost, like i love raise the music so much they're so good I would still say Roselia is objectively the better band. They just sound way better. 
but I love I love um, the vocals, uh, everything except for yeah. I gotta say I love Chutu's voice actress, but man, do I not like that character. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so like everything up until that, it's like man, I love all these other characters. I love the the um, uh, dynamic between uh. uh lock and masking the, uh the the drummer and the guitarist for Razor Sulin. Um but I just I I couldn't stand you too. And then like when and again I just right start right here, spoiler cast. When Roselia and and Reza Sulin go up against each other and Reza Sulin wins, I was like they objectively weren't the better <laughs> Like, it was just a way to show that Chutu was, you know, like, petty and stuff like that. And then, you know, like, she kind of starts to go off on the band members as, as, like, really like a dictator. She's trying to, like, uh, uh, trying to regulate, you know, their, you know, practice and how they spend their time and stuff like that. And, uh, like, there's a, a bit of drama there. And eventually, uh, she pisses off her, like, her one, like, uh, Pareo, who is the keyboardist of Reza Sulin is kind of like there's no better way of saying it she's pretty much a puppy like mentally just everything she sticks by Chutu so much she's pretty much her dog uh but but eventually like Chutu's so much of an asshole that she drives Patio away and that's kind of where the the big you know band reforming moment for Reza Sulin comes about it it's very predictable but it works um I will say I I don't think I was I was kind of still pretty negative on the whole thing and t- uh, not the whole thing like like there's a poppy pa um episode because popping party has to be in like at least like the main thing for like at least one episode because bang they're pretty much bang the face of bang dream um mm. and that was a lot of fun and I enjoyed the show but I think what what did it for me was the end um uh, the end after, you know, Razor Solon kind of reforms and, you know, Chutu is less of an asshole. Um, they actually, it, it comes about that, uh, oh God, was it Roselia and Poppin' Party? I could be wrong about this. Roselia and Poppin' Party were tied for second place. And only two bands were set to go to Budokan. Uh, but the 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 heads of the, the, um, the girls band uh, challenge... Uh, are like fuck it all three uh we're gonna have all three of them and you're all gonna compete against each other and the budokan episode which is the last episode is fantastic it's mm-hmm. really well shot the music's amazing roselia's song is just incredible um and i think the thing that saved like i won't say saved it because it was still going to get a good score but Mike made it better for me was uh that Roselia won because again they have like in that show especially they objectively had the best song and again this comes with the caveat that I'm much more of a pastel palettes fan and they rarely get their day in the sun in the anime they really need their own anime um and uh like failing that I'm probably more of a Raz uh fan but uh yeah Roselia's song was incredible and they win the whole thing, and and I guess I think they give out like minor prizes to, to uh, Raz and and Popipa, and they all sing together on stage. Um, it was just a really good wrap up episode. Um, 
honestly, if they don't make any more Bang Dream after that, I wouldn't be terribly sad because it was a real like for like a series solution. That's actually really good. However, yeah. they did actually recently come out with a new band. I think it's Morphonica. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one with the violin. Uh-huh. Uh, Interesting. And they sound good. Uh, so I wouldn't mind more because, you know, I would love to see this new band come in. Um, and please, please give Pastel Palettes their own anime because they're they're not technically a girls band. Like, they're a idol group. So they can have their own anime. Come on, please. <laughs> more idol themed yeah. as opposed to band themed yeah please uh but but no this was i mean it was still a really good season i was pr- uh, probably pretty more negative on it just because i didn't care for s- the drama elements and because it was a little predictable but the thing that really like helped out during those episodes where i was feeling kind of low on chutu was the dynamic between uh roca and um i can't remember masking's actual name to save my life because they call her that they call her Maskingu or uh god i can't remember her name but the, the, essentially the drummer and the lead guitarist for for raz are their dynamic is probably my favorite <laughs> there's a lot of really great art between those two uh so yeah in the absence of questions if you guys have any it's not like yeah uh, yeah, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I'd probably give uh, Bang Dream season three a four out of five. Probably <gasps> would have been a three point five or a three, but man, that last episode is just so damn good. Um, definitely go watch it. I will say, if if this is your first time hearing me talk about it, um, season one's not great. It really isn't. Uh, but like season one, like season two, it gets so much better. So especially if you appreciate the music or, you know, season two definitely highlights more of the music, I think, mm-hmm. than season one. Or, I mean, if you don't feel like doing that, then, hey, pick up your phone and there's uh, there's a, a mobile game with all the music you would have heard in the show anyway, plus a whole bunch of covers. So there you go. Yeah. Thank the you. mobile game's actually great, too. And it's a, it's a fun it's a fun style rhythm yeah. game for sure. Yeah. All Stars killed most of most other uh, most other. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh mobile games for me but yeah I, I agree i enjoyed my time with uh with girls band party i i didn't even realize the perfect segue that you were going to line up there i didn't even realize that we had two shows in a row here that were based off of mobile games but um <laughs> here we have it uh yeah th- this is was my first pick for the season the magia record uh anime uh based off of the mobile game magia record that i was and still am a huge fan of it. My tendency is that I am unable to really get into more than one mobile game at a time. And due to the fact that Love Live All-Stars is out and there's been other games that have drawn my attention away from Magia Record, I don't turn it on very often anymore. But in fact, I have turned it on a couple times recently to just empty my stockpile of gems that I had. I don't even <laughs> remember what they're called, if they're gems or not. But the And I got Ultimate Madoka that you know was released a little while back and the na exclusive girl that came out so i was pretty happy with that even though i probably will never play with them just knowing myself <laughs> but it's cool to say i've got them just in case um but magia record uh is the anime essentially based directly off of the story from the game and because of this and because i'm such a huge fan of the story in the game i'm going to be really light on the spoilers in this review because i really want you guys 
to experience this story through the mobile game. Um, just to open it out, I, I guess that kind of probably gives you a little bit of an idea of how I felt that they did in this anime as far as really showing the story. I think it's really hard. I, I just really feel like when you take a, a game and the story and the way that it's told in a mobile game through that kind of visual novel style with a tremendous amount of characters and the gotcha elements of it and the fact that everyone's going to have their own favorite characters, I feel like Shaft, um, the studio who did this, really had their work cut out for them in making this something that could be enjoyable to fans of the game and also enjoyable to someone who's just turning it on because they like um, Madoka, right? Or because they like the franchise, but maybe they never played the mobile game. Um, and basically, yeah, I, I would say the mobile game tells the story and I was blown away by the writing in the mobile game not so much in the anime. I felt like the way it was told in the anime felt almost soulless, which might be appropriate for Magi Rocket Universe. <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, the story of Magi Record follows Iroha Tamaki. Uh, for those of you who maybe have not played the game or did not watch the show, uh, she's a pink-haired girl who basically goes out, realizes that her sister is missing. Her sister basically was uh, just completely erased from the world. Uh, she kind of knows through a series of visions and stuff. She's like, I have a sister. Why is it that no one remembers her? And why is it that I'm even struggling to remember um, who she was? And she kind of gets introduced to the world of magical girls. Well, she was a magical girl when it started. It's I'm going back a little ways now trying to remember how the whole show started. But uh, she basically is trying to figure out where her sister is. And she's in... Uh, the city, I think Kamihama is the name of her city. I believe that's correct. I get, yeah, I get her, her city and the other one uh, mixed up. But uh, basically, there's some weird stuff going on. Like, there's a ton of witches in the city. Uh, they're all super strong. Like, they seem to be stronger than typical witches. So there's, like, things going on. A lot of these mysteries don't get solved in the show. And um, I don't know that I'd really want to tell you anyway, because like I said, I'd really like for you to experience them in the game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a lot of really weird stuff going on, like a baby Kubey shows up and and I'm not really quite sure what the deal with baby Kubey is. He's just a cute Kubey that, you know, shows up and hangs out with Iroha. And if you know what Kubey is, it's kind of weird to have a cute Kubey uh, just hanging <laughs> out. And it's just weird, right? I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know, like you're not supposed to like Kubey, but <laughs> um and she meets a bunch of other magical girls, uh, to name a few, Yachio, which is kind of like a, a very old school. She's older than other magical girls. She's been a magical girl for a long time. She's very experienced, um, very mature. She meets up with uh, Suruno, who is a kind of fire-based magical girl who runs a Chinese um, food restaurant. Uh meets up with Felicia. And if you played the game or you know these characters, you've seen them all. And I think they all are trying to figure out kind of different things and they all have their own storylines. And I think that's part of why this show felt so disjointed to me is because while each of those girl stories are, in my opinion, told very well in the game, when they try to jam them all into episodes of the show, it felt very rushed. Um, and overall, it just it was hard to follow the overall storyline because they kept diverting your attention to different things. It's like, oh, here's a new girl. Let's follow her story. Uh, oh, here's a couple other girls over here. Like, let's follow their story. And then like five episodes later, when those girls that you met five episodes ago come back, you're kind of like, 
what was their deal again? Um, and for me, it just didn't, it didn't flow very well. Uh, and overall, honestly, Shaft, as an anime studio, I think has a lot of respect. I really don't feel like they did a great job with even the visuals in the show. I, it, it just felt, as I mentioned earlier, soulless. It felt like they were just kind of like, let's just put random shit on the screen. Cause you know, with kind of the witch's labyrinths and stuff, um, that's kind of what they are typically, but somehow it felt lazy to me mm -hmm. in this show. Just a lot of the designs, a lot of the stuff that was going on, they've done so much better in the past. And this one just, it just felt like maybe they didn't have the budget and they were just kind of trying to throw random stuff together. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things that I want to talk about without really spoiling major parts of the show. Uh, the, the basically the main crux of the whole thing is that there's a way there's a way potentially to save magical girls and there is a kind of organization who's going through some kind of um maybe not so moral ways of trying to kind of enact this plan to potentially save magical girls um from the kind of fate that they have in the Madoka franchises and I don't know if I want to spoil that even for those of you who maybe who haven't watched <laughs> Madoka. But yeah, a uh, couple couple characters, Mommy shows up, Kyoko shows up from Madoka. Uh Do you think someone would be able to follow what's happening without knowing without having seen I don't. Madoka? I don't no, okay. I, I really don't. I, I mean, I, I don't think necessarily a fan of Madoka would enjoy this show at all. I think okay. someone who hasn't seen Madoka would, I can't imagine enjoying the show because it's just so disjointed. It's so confusing. It's It just doesn't feel like it follows a path. It's just, it felt like they were just like, okay, we've got this great story in the game. We need to do it service. And we've got all these characters that people who play the game obviously really like. So we need to make sure we put them all in the show in some way or another. Um, and through all of the, what obligations, I guess it must've felt like that to them as a studio, mm -hmm. it, they completely lost sight of the story. And I thought as I was watching it a lot, kind of like, how could they have done a better job? And I mean, it's hard for me to say as someone who's not really a writer, but I feel like if they had just said, we are going to follow the story of blank. And honestly, there were some side stories in Magia Records, some event stories that could have made a 12 episode anime that would have been phenomenal. Um, but obviously, they aren't going to do that, right? I mean, they, they don't, it's not the fate universe, at least they don't have the budget to kind of make 100 different animes, right? Um, Maybe. They may, yeah. I, I, I mean, there, I, there is going to be a second season, so. So, yes, there is going to be a second season. The way that this ended off, honestly, kind of fittingly, is around the time that I stopped playing the story in the game, in, you know, in the game. And so we left off at around the same time that I left off uh, in the game. And overall, I don't have, I really don't have much good to say about this show. I, I felt like the music was good, you know. Well, that, that it, was a question I had. The music in the in the game is outstanding. Uh, did they mm -hmm. have any new tracks or was it just transplant from the game? Not that that would I be mean, a bad thing, but yeah, there's a lot of transplant from the game. A lot of the visuals were transplants from the game as well. Mm. Um, like the, a lot of the same kind of witches and um, what are called uh, 
Uwasa, which are a little bit different than witches, mm -hmm. show up. Uh, they kind of did a little bit of different stuff. And I felt like in the beginning of the show, they were off on the right track. Like I felt like they were kind of going to go a little bit in their own way. They were going to maybe focus on some different things that weren't really explained in the game. And I, I feel like they just fell into the trap of we need to we need to pay fan service to all the people who play the game that like these characters. And they kind of lost sight of how to make an anime, I guess. Um, music was good. Opening and endings were pretty good. Uh, some of the visuals were pretty good, but overall, especially by the end of it, like the action scenes were, were actually pathetically bad. They were just, they were just not good. Um, like I said, a lot of the labyrinths felt lazy to me. Uh, I wasn't really in awe ever at any point kind of watching the show. Um, the story was disjointed. It was hard to watch. I liked, I, I watched it because I liked the characters and it was fun kind of seeing them introduced in the show. But overall, as a show, this was not good to me. And I think the only way I could even kind of recommend this would be as if you're a huge fan of the game. And even then, I'd say just play the game. Just experience the story through the game. And if you really want to see your character show up in the anime, look up the episode that they show up in and watch that episode. Because overall, I just... I thought the anime was done very poorly. <laughs> mm. um, do play the game though, because the story in the game is awesome. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Both of you guys kind of dabbled in the game a little bit, but I don't know that you got too far on the story. Yeah, the no. music thing was yeah, my only thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was all right. Um, I'll give it a, I'll give it a two. <laughs> Rest in peace, Maji Record. It's a, it's it it gets a two mostly just because of the fact that I I like I like the property and I liked the game but I think overall they were huge disappointment Shaft I Shaft really dropped the ball on this they they should do way better and I'm kind of ashamed of them to be honest with you. Hmm. Well, speaking of Shaft, I'm sorry <laughs> that's terrible. That the Shaft did not do this show. I'm making uh. an innuendo because. And if you aren't a married man, I would recommend this show to you. Oh boy, is it time for? Is it my turn? Yay! So, Carlos, we we're we did not unlock the hentai cast yet. <laughs> oh, it's not. This is really pushing the envelope oh God, from what so I've heard. Close. It's so close. <laughs> so I, uh, fair ladies and lads of the land, uh, watched <laughs> a, a show, a wonderful show, uh, that you might already kind of tell that i'm gonna grade pretty pretty highly oh, <laughs> i watched interspecies <laughs> reviewers no thanks to funimation go fuck yourself on it funimation um so yeah interspecies reviewers got picked up by funimation and then they decided that uh you know the pearl clutch clutching you know few that like were like why did my kid just watch that um uh and then they took it down yeah Garbage. Anyway, uh, Interspecies Reviewers, Studio Passion, as I guess that makes sense uh, by just the name. Man, do you think the studio got chosen like by its name? It's like, we need to find a good studio that could do this. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they did some Google searches and they found Passion. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, God, wasn't it? It was Passion that, that uh, brought High School DxD back from the god-awful state it was in. So, oh, okay. I mean, they, they're, they're moving up in the world, but they're also the ones who did Roka Braves of the Six Flowers. So, like, they were pretty low on my list for a while there, but, uh, but they've, they've redeemed themselves. Uh, I guess they've found that, uh, that Etchy might be their thing. 
Okay, yeah. Interspecies reviewers, I've danced around this long enough. Uh, is a, is a story. It's a fantasy story, uh, set in a world where uh, let's uh, call it what it is. Prostitution is absolutely one hundred percent legal, um, and red light districts are like flourishing, like ridiculously so. Um, the uh, the prostitutes in this like. I guess throughout the world are called sucky girls because like most of them have some succubus blood in them. They're not like full succubuses. There are full succubuses and they get into that in a later episode. Um, but uh, you know, for the most part, they're like women of, of every type of, you know, fantasy species who, you know, perform certain acts for the public. You know, they're, they're social workers. If you think about it, <laughs> I'm uh-huh. really, I'm really gonna try and sell this. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in this world, um, we our protagonists um, are two advent. Our, our main guys are two adventurers. Uh, initially, um, the main character's name is Stunk. You know, like the past tense of stink. Of stink, yeah, <laughs> it's his name uh, because uh, Japanese people find a word and they're like, okay, that works. Um, He's a, a human male adventurer. Uh, they go into a little of his backstory, but like just kind of through dialogue. I guess his dad has a harem and is very, very rich, but kicked him out of the house. And so he, you know, decided to become an adventurer. Uh, Stunk's main uh, homie, I guess, is Zell, uh, a several or I guess several hundred year old uh, elf um, who's, of course, an archer and also an adventurer. Uh, one day while out on an adventure, uh, they run into a, uh, an angel. Uh, and angels are really, really rare in this world. Uh, but this angel's name is Krim. I think it's Krimvale, but they like the rest of the show, they just call him Krim. Uh, I say him. Krim is, well, I guess all angels are hermaphroditic. So he's got both. Uh, but initially he tells them that he's a boy because... You know, the way they're talking, he's like, yeah, I don't want to know what they're going to do with my girl parts. So I'm just going to tell him I'm a boy. Um, and uh, eventually, Krim, like, like they, Krim is stuck on, on in the human world because he broke his halo and he's waiting for it to heal. So he can't go back up to heaven uh, if his halo doesn't heal. Um, so they take him back to town and, and they get him a job at their, their usual uh, tavern bar thing. Um, where works one of the supporting casts that we'll, we see for most of the show, uh, Medri, who is a harpy, I want to say, but I mean, she's, she's just a barmaid. She's just the one that like comments on how perverted they are. Um, so yeah, the, the series is usually like most episodes are Stunk and Zell are, are in the bar and Krim is, you know, serving drinks and, their job, aside from being adventurers, like a side gig that they've started up, is on the, the bulletin board where all the uh, the jobs are posted, um, they write up an opinion piece whereby they'll go to a brothel, they'll write up their thoughts on it, give it a score out of 10, and post that shit up, and people will flock to that fucking bulletin board to see if it's <laughs> worth it or not to go to that brothel. Um, and after they start bringing Krim in, uh, I guess they start getting more female readers because Krim is, I mean, he's both, but he also looks like a girl. So, or, and he's a, what do they call it? Beach, beachy? The, oh, yeah, the yeah. term for like pretty boy. Like the shonen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, and then every episode is is you know them thinking, hmm, where are we gonna go next? Or you know, there's there's usually some kind of pretense for it, and then they wind up at a brothel, and then we get to like we hear their um their reviews, and it's overlaid with kind of the acts like as as much as they can, and you got to realize that there are I think there's like three versions of this show, and I I when I was watching it because. Funimation forced my hand and I had to go watch it somewhere else because I can only watch the first like three episodes before they shut it down on Funimation. Um, so I've seen all, all three and it's never clear on other sites which one you're getting. So yeah, I had to watch this with the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are some where it's like uh, you'll hear their review and you'll see like a black screen with with wording written over it that'll say, uh, please enjoy this this scene without uh visuals or something like that and so you're hearing um the review you're hearing the sex noises and you're seeing a black screen then there's the other ones where you see the you'll you'll see like some kind of covering uh, i appreciated the the this version because they use the r18 you know symbol that i've seen for damn it's been over 10 years at this point that i've seen that damn symbol <laughs> <laughs> anyway and then the the other the the last one is uh, completely uncensored, uh, but still not quite to hentai. <laughs> huh. um, think of it more like softcore, because you don't okay. see bits yeah, going in bits. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, um, but it's still like because it's funny the way they they portray it because uh, you got Stunk who's a human, you got Zell who's who's an elf. Uh, we a lot of times we have Conchal, who's this halfling. I love Conchal. Like I'm not really down for his little fetish thing, but he's so fucking funny. Uh, there's a beastman that travels with them, and then we'll get Krim. And their perspectives, based on their species, like what they are, like makes sense, and it's usually really funny. Like like the the first thing we're we're kind of hit with is Stunk really likes elf women, uh, because they stay you know, young looking in human eyes forever. Uh, Zell does not like uh, elf women because to him, they're old ladies. They're like 500 years old. Um, and he sees the world through mana or magic. So like to them, he, they just look really, really old. And he prefers 50 year old women because they're still really, really young. To him. Oh my and their, God. Their, their mana is really, really young for him. And like they ask a beast like one of the i forget what the beast man's name is but they ask him and and he's like he's like yeah i don't like elf women because they smell stale (laughs) jesus so it's like they're using different senses and stuff like that and uh god it's so funny it's so fucking like if you're not into edgy this show will do nothing for you but if you like me laugh at stupid perverse nonsense god this show is so fucking good um just i just want to i guess go over some highlights like some of my favorites um <laughs> they go and and deliver a uh some some goods to a, a vampire count and the vampire count takes them to uh a an undead brothel <laughs> okay the beast man can't stand it because they all stink <laughs> because, uh-huh. oh my God. um so he ends up getting with a, a skeleton <laughs> He's like, what? what? <laughs> the elf gets with a Jiangxi, you know, the hopping little vampires. The uh, stunk gets with uh, a zombie. 
because the the zombie chick actually looks pretty good. But like, and the vampire lord gets with the vampire. I'm like, why didn't they all choose vampire? The vampire was the best looking one. It probably didn't stink like undead. Oh god. Um, especially skeleton. Uh, yeah, especially. Well, like there was nothing else for him. He really. It was funny because they kind of show him gnawing on her arms because he's a beast man. He's got <laughs> he's got like dog god DNA. Damn it. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. I guess I could see a, a beast man uh, having some kind of enjoyment with that, but yeah, like uh, at one point they go to a uh, a gender swap place where like they take a potion and gender swap, and all it does to Krim is it gets rid of his male part, um, and <laughs> you find out that hyena hyena people hyena women have both as well, and so he gets really into the hyena woman slash man. <laughs> Jesus. Oh god, it's so funny um so go ahead is this like is this the farthest you've seen etchy push oh god ever? yes 100 <laughs> percent, <Okay>. yes <laughs> like 110 the only thing that okay. comes close to this like on the scale there's like a line there's this and there's one of my favorite of all time called the toby cpu don't look that up if you're underage um hmm. where that's technically hentai because you do see bits going into bits kind of like that's like there's a but there's a hair between that and interspecies reviewers, like so, the thinnest wow. hair. So should this have just been a hentai? It really should. Have. No, no, because I don't know. Like, I guess what the way I should phrase it is: Would it be? Would it being a hentai have increased your enjoyment at all? I'd have to take breaks. <laughs> You asked the question. I did. I did. Because <laughs> I don't think you did. You mention the the Funimation, uh, the fact that Funimation was. I did. And I told this. Man, I said okay. fuck him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to our listeners. Please don't unsubscribe from our Patreon if you're a patron. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it's it's so good, and I just I can't recommend it enough for people who love Edgy. Like if you if like if you laugh at risque humor like I do just because it's like, it's just absurd. I mean, because we're, I mean, we're all, you know, I mean, most, I, I guess most of us, unless your yours got chopped off. Sorry. Uh, we're all one <laughs> or the other, you know, and like interested in one thing or another, uh, you know, unless you're asexual, I guess. But, um, so I, I don't know. I find that shit funny. I've always found yeah. it funny. And I don't know. Like, it's not like, I don't treat it like a, it's not like a childish, you know, like, haha there's a penis you know like when you're like a 13 year old but like i still think like that kind of stuff like there's room for body humor in the world and this really strikes that chord for me like i fucking love this show like i keep like rolling it around in my head too thinking god what am i gonna give this show and it's gonna have to be pretty high because i fucking love it (laughs) um i need the blu-rays for this too because i could rewatch this um like i said i don't think it it touches the same chord that like anti would it just makes me laugh and god it's it's like it's something that only like (laughs) only a really perverse mind could have thought of to be like man how would an elf see like a a cilia girl or 
Oh God, the egg laying, the egg laying episode. Oh my God. How would a Lamia treat, like what, what would a Lamia be into? It's egg laying from other reptilian girls. <laughs> God damn that, that episode. I forgot about that. I one. think like based on what you're telling me, the difference between like this and, and admittedly, I haven't really seen really any hentai to be honest with you. I've, I've seen clips, but um, <laughs> the, this sounds more like the focus is comedy and it's just really raunchy comedy, oh, yeah. whereas a hentai is the focus is porn. I, I guess I guess that's that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's just raunchy comedy. Like, I mean, I, I get. I'm not going to to shame anybody if you got off to this. <laughs> not, I'm really not. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think for this, like, I was laughing so hard a lot of the times to even get there. Uh there's like the episode like i think you would appreciate one character logan who's like the obviously when i say that i mean a blonde uh-huh. <laughs> but there's a the the archmage of this world um runs um she runs a city essentially and she's a you know really tall blonde and really busty uh but she's so good at magic that she can make like essentially like shadow clones of herself that will last three days and for five thousand gold you can essentially have her for for three days to do literally whatever you want with her like like she even mentions like some people will like some weirdos would like murder her but it's just like well it's a shadow clone it's going to disappear in three days anyway um but like oh god i love that episode too that was like the that was the quote-unquote again spoiler cast the quote-unquote perfect 10 brothel and like all of them gave it a perfect 10 um <laughs> yeah such a good show i really like Again, take take my rating with the grain of salt that I love body raunchy humor because that's the kind of person I am. Like, I'm, <laughs> like it's my favorite kind of poetry to write. I mostly keep it to myself because it's fucking terrible. But, <laughs> uh, God. And also fair play, especially to a lot of you uh, who like, you know, like more highbrow, like humor and or like more i said more highbrow like literature and stuff like that be aware that a lot of your favorite writers and and musicians probably wrote that kind of shit too i think it was famously uh uh was it beethoven no not beethoven it might have been beethoven one of the famous like you know classical uh, musicians uh actually wrote a song called lick my ass (laughs) something like that (laughs) so just know that you know i'm not alone i mean (laughs) I, I think <laughs> I, I think stuff like this might be it might be for you, it might not be for yeah. you, but we all have a propensity to enjoy at least the subject matter, whether you like it in your anime or not, yeah, is I yeah, guess exactly. a different story. But so with that, I, I have to give this a four point five. I fucking love okay. this show. I was really what, what toying around a with five? a four and I like there are gonna be some higher scores, so I'm going to come off really positive this this review, but I really was on a lot of the shows I watched, and this was one of them, 4.5 out of 5. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you got this show. <laughs> Wait, oh, also, I, the OP is just a... It's one of those, like, ironically best OPs because it just gets stuck in your head, and it, it starts off with, like, you know, like, something like, hooray for being a horny bastard or something like that, which I'm just, like... <laughs> The song is just like does like not in like what is it? Um, Shimonetta. Shimonetta's ED was full of innuendo. This uh-huh. is like no innuendo. It's just all out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I love it. But again, take my rating with the caveat that I do I do love that kind of humor. So, so 
I, I picked the show that was based on an arrow game. Uh-huh. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> um, because honestly, I, I've just always, and I don't know how many people actually genuinely don't think the characters in Nekopara are adorable. Um, but I mean, they're the characters in Nekopara are adorable. And, and I was very interested when I saw that there was an anime created for this show that I had to, I had to watch it. And I'm very happy I did, honestly, because I, I thought this was a really genuinely fun show to watch. Um, I'm actually, I don't typically read Mal reviews, but I was just curious because this is one of those shows that I could see people being either, you know, fully on one side or fully on the other. And um, the first couple of reviews, I just thought it was a kind of a funny, uh, you know, a funny thing here. Um, <laughs> the first guy, winter 2020 has been a dismal season for anime overall. I stopped reading his review right away. Uh, <laughs> winter 2020 has been a great season. So I, if you think it's dismal, you just have not watched any, anything, I guess. Um, the second one tell, sums it up pretty well. Do you like cat girls? Do you dream about cat girls every night when you put your head on the pillow? Has your love for cat girls reached a fetish level? Then you're in the right place. <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily that this show does um and i should actually state i guess if you're interested if you follow people on mal reviews this person's name is mehmet but um the uh nekopara i wouldn't say because i was a little concerned that this would get a little too etchy because i'm not huge and etchy and especially i i like being able to watch anime in the living room and, <laughs> and i i this you know if it was super etchy i obviously wouldn't have been able to do that but um Believe it or not, Nekopar was actually relatively wholesome. Uh, there was a lot of really cute storylines that didn't get into the etchy kind of realm at all. Um, at times, they definitely, you know, had fan service, obviously, you know, as you would expect being from an arrow gay. But um, overall, this show was, there's not really much for me to say about Nekopara. It was a super cute show about super cute cat girls doing really cute things. Um Chocola. Uh, this was my introduction to all these characters, by the way, because I've never played the game. But uh, Chocola is just freaking an angel. She's <laughs> just god tier, you know, waifu material. Um, and uh, Vanilla are the two main cat girls. And one of the things I really liked about this story and kind of the way that they built the world around it was that these girls are basically pets. They're they're cats. Um, and they even have a, and they look like humans, but they have humans with cat ears, but the way that they're treated in society is like they're, they're pets, they're cats. Um, and I thought one of the things that was really cute was that they earn the right to wear like a bell, which is kind of their ability to, to go out in public. That's kind of like the sign that they've like, I don't remember if it was a test that they have to pass or whatever or a license or something, but that's how they are able to go out in public without their master. Um, and uh, one of the early episodes, basically, uh, Chocola's out and she sees a little cat girl, like a really little young one um, in the park without a bell and, and she's without a master. And uh, she's really scared at first, but she brings her in. And a lot of the story is kind of about, you know, bringing her in and teaching her things. And um, she creates some kind of interesting uh little scenarios where she escapes and she goes and, uh, you know, meets other people or, you know, whatever, other cat girls. And her name is uh, Kakao. And uh, it's really just, I, I, I think this is probably in one hand, a love letter to the people who really like the game. Um, in another hand, if you like cat girls, this show is, a, this is a 10 out of 10, I think for anyone who likes cat girls, because it's just all about the cat girls. It's all about the cat girls doing really cute things and their little kind of um, pastry, you know, I guess, bakery that they work in. Yeah. Um, 
some little highlights i'd say as someone who's never watched uh or never played the games um the carlos i'm assuming you you like uh coconuts <laughs> she looked like she was right up your alley blonde busty oh, cat girl yeah 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 yeah. so i haven't um, i haven't played all the way through the games i still need to but yeah i know what you're talking about okay yeah her and um azuki were were kind of i guess sisters or whatever you know they were uh, uh shigure is like a girl who um she had like another house and she had cats too and so you kind of spent some time with chocola and vanilla and cacao at the uh the you know the pastry place and um sometime with the cat girls that the shigure girl had uh kokonatsu and azuki just had like a rivalry they're always fighting with each other uh cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon was the source of a lot of the innuendo and a lot of kind of like the inappropriate stuff because cinnamon is like a super moe cute girl but she constantly is thinking of like inappropriate stuff like everything that she sees <laughs> it, you know she thinks of something inappropriate and you know gets moist or something as she puts it and um <laughs> she's the source of a lot of the dirty jokes in the show um but other than that honestly the show is in my opinion there was some there were obviously some scenes and some cuts that were clearly there to to be fan service, but uh, it was actually really cute and wholesome, and it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the show. I just thought it was cute. It was fun to watch. I wouldn't say it was groundbreaking or a phenomenal story, and quite frankly, by the end of it, I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit kind of like it was slowing down for me. I guess the the thing that it was doing was starting to get a little old because it kind of did the same thing throughout the show. But overall, uh, I don't have too much else to say about Nekopar. Any, any questions? Any curiosities? <laughs> Not really. I, I need to play I mean, the game. I think I want to play the game yeah. more than I want to watch the show. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're looking for the kind of like the arrow gay aspect, definitely play the game. You're not going to get it out of the show. Um, if you want to watch a show with Aragoy, obviously watch Interspecies Review your viewers, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, for what this what this was exactly what I wanted out of it. It was just a super cute show about cute cat girls doing cute things. So um, for that, I'll give it a 3.5. I thought it was nice. fun. Right on. All right. Uh, another one of mine. Uh, I think, Logan, you watched this one as well, right? I did. You watch it with Cubay? Nice. I did, yes. Uh, okay, so this is Somali and the Forest Spirit, or Somali Tomori no Kamisama. Uh, it's a studio satellite property. Uh, and this one follows... It's another fantasy, uh, although far, 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 far less as she is in none at all, which is probably yeah. for the best. Uh, <laughs> this one is uh, in a fantasy world where uh, humanity is almost completely extinct. Um, and we follow, uh, a young, uh, a young boy named Somali and Somali is a girl. I thought, right. I'm pretty sure Somali, am I misremembering? I'm pretty sure Somali yeah. is a girl. Why did I think Somali was a boy? I don't know. Well, they don't really address it until I think a few episodes in, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Somali is a girl. Hmm. Yeah, human girl. Okay, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I thought he was a boy. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, take two. Somali. <laughs> yeah, a, a young human girl and uh, a golem named um, well, golem. Golem. <laughs> Otosan. Otosan. Yeah. He. Uh, th this golem, like his job for a thousand years, he's supposed to watch over uh, this forest, 
and essentially just make sure that the natural forces aren't abated uh, in any way. Um, so, like, just letting things move on as, as normal. When he finds Somali in his forest, uh, she's uh, very clearly was a slave, at, like, because she has, like, shackles on her, and she's malnourished and, you know, near death. And um, she kind of, <laughs> she sees him and immediately calls him Oto-san, no real yeah they never explain why yeah she just kind of is just like oh okay well that giant metal thing must be my dad um but i mean she's young enough to where it's like okay well i mean maybe that's a survival instinct too just like fuck be cute be cute <laughs> maybe this thing will feed me um but yeah so uh we, we kind of we'll we eventually go back to that to you know like how this forest spirit who's you know He's an automaton, so he shouldn't really have emotions. Eventually develops kind of like a a protective feeling over Somali. Um, and they're initially traveling. Uh, he's traveling to find uh, humans. He's looking for humans so that essentially he can just drop her off because he is nearing his uh, the end of his lifespan. Um, it's explained pretty early on that uh, golems live to exactly a thousand years old like once the clock to the second huh? yeah, to, yeah, yeah to the second once the clock strikes 12 on their well, you know one thousandth year they're done and he's starting to show like signs of like i guess the best way to describe it is wear and tear um so yeah they're, they're they travel uh and essentially the like you find out not really slowly kind of really quickly honestly that humans are extinct uh, because the beast tribes and the humans really didn't see it eye to eye because, well, let's just say the humans are kind of bastards. Yeah, yeah, fuck humans, dude. <laughs> uh, and the beast men uh, took them being bastards and were like, all right, well, now we're just going to fucking eat you. Um, so, you know, they murder just an absolute shit ton of, of humans and humans are almost extinct. Um and we get little stories of this along the way. Um, I can't remember where the first one is, but I, uh, the journey uh, kind of takes them into contact with a bunch of different characters. And surprisingly, a couple actually do reoccur, which I appreciated. But like, and like initially, they meet uh, a pair of Oni. One's a dwarf Oni, one's a larger Oni, and they're um, uh, apothecary, apothecaries, something like that, like medicine makers. Um, and uh, like essentially every place that they go to like the golem kind of has to find either like it's either like a source of revenue or something for Somali because you know he's a machine who's not used to taking care of children Um, uh, and again through this he like he learns how to take care of human kids like you know I in one village uh God, I don't know how to say this. The village where, like, they meet uh, Kikila, the the little bunny boy, and his his parents, like, yeah, like he he lets uh, Somali kind of roam, and and they kind of get lost in this like underground labyrinth, uh, and trying to like Somali's trying to pick this flower because there's like a legend that like if you pick it and it stays shining until you get home, then your wish wish will come true or something like that, and. She wishes that she could be with Otosan forever. Um, and uh, 
you know, the golem kind of snaps on her because he's worried about her. And that's another thing, too, is there's this through line that, like, he's supposed to be an automaton, but for whatever reason, he is actually developing, like, emotions for Somali. Um, whether it be, like, uh, you know, worry uh, that turns into, you know, I don't know, kind of like, I won't say rage, but, like, anger at her when she's, you know. Frustration. Yeah, yeah I guess that would be, yeah, parental frustration, <laughs> probably the best way to put that. Um, <laughs> I, that's actually most <laughs> like he doesn't really i don't really think we, we we ever see like a whole lot of feelings of like affection it's mostly just like worry into frustration <laughs> but i mean again he is a golem um and and yeah like a, a lot of beastmen want like actually enjoy human meat and talk about like how delicious it is yeah how delicious it used to be to you know constantly have human on the menu and so he hides somali's humanness with this uh it's like a almost like a hoodie with horns on it and he says that she's a um a minotaur minotaur yeah Yeah. um but along the way like they do meet other beasts like people who are sympathetic like not sympathetic but not ravenous for human meat you know well even sympathetic um like most of the the people that they actually like have meaningful interaction with mm-hmm. are people that one figure out what Somali is and two realize that you know she's different like she's not a sc- a scum human because she's a child and she's impressionable and she didn't grow up around people you know calling these beast people grotesques and yeah trying to kill them um, um i i don't think kikila and, and his parents are, like found out what she was they but, didn't know but, no. but afterwards yeah so um and we don't find out that uh shizuno and, and yabashira that the two oni uh knew that she was human until a little bit later um actually yeah yabashira no, it's just shizuno yeah, yeah yabashira finds out later but yeah shizuno finds he out. accepts her i think i like that a lot uh, that they yeah. that they had uh, the Oni characters, but they didn't they didn't take the easy way out and making them you know the ones who want to eat her, like uh-huh. instead making the the normal human like man eating Oni of of legend into like these really caring and you know real like I love these char- those two characters, um, yeah. Even though she's really looks good. a little like I get that is devilish. An, I think that's one of the things though is that the the, the show does a good thing of, about playing that on that on your human sentiment of of aesthetic and being like. Oh, that guy looks evil. And he's like, wow, I just thought that. I'm a fucking bastard. <laughs> so, you know, maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit. But one thing that, you know, finishing this show and thinking back on all of the characters that were sympathetic to Somali and mm-hmm. friendly with Somali, mm-hmm. there was they were all humanoid in nature. There was not a single beast uh, I feel like Kikila and his parents would have been. Yeah, but they just but they, they just don't. You just don't know, though. It. Yeah, yeah. I th- I I and I think this could be another kind of prejudice thing, but like, I I think I feel that way because they look like herb, like herbivores. Yeah, Whereas no. a, a lot of the no. mean ones look like they're meat eaters. Uh huh. I, I feel like there was also that wolf guy in the Kikila's village. Oh yeah, I he feel was like badass. Probably would have been. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, Muthrika. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was so cool. I feel like he would have been cool with it. It's an interesting thing you say that because I've had a similar a similar feeling in other shows where you have different factions of maybe of non-humanoid, you know, intelligent creatures and 
as humans, we always sympathize qu more quickly with our own species. You know, uh, and it's it's interesting to look at that kind of, and, and without watching the show, I can't really say with this one, but it's interesting to see that because you almost wonder, it, it got me thinking kind of like if we did have other intelligent, you know, races um, and kind of species on the planet that were like at our intelligence level and could, could kind of compete with us, if how their interactions would well, be, that, you know? And that's a, and that's a, like a, uh, not to get too far off topic, but uh, uh, like that's a theory of, of why there aren't like because there were other uh, like in archaeological like the archaeological record that we have, which is not terribly complete. There are, were other forms of humans that aren't mm. technically from our same branch. Like Neanderthal man wasn't man. We didn't evolve from them. Like mm. like Homo sapien and Neanderthal or at least proto Neanderthal, I think existed relatively at the same period and that's like that's a running theory is that it's entirely possible that like our ancestors either bred them out of existence or you know straight up murk them because you know yeah. it, it, at the end of the day you're going to like at our most basic animal instinct we're going to side with what's most like us and that's right that's that lizard brain you know that like mentality that like all of us have like you know it's just it's the most basic, I mean, most primal instinct. Sure, I get that. I feel like this show presented that in such an extreme manner. Mm. Yeah. So I will say I okay. So I enjoyed Somali and and you know the Golem and all the other sympathetic characters and stuff like that. I I found as much as I know humans can be prejudiced and I'm much as I know I myself am capable of that kind of prejudice in the most extreme circumstances. I found the humans reactions and, and, and stuff like that hard to believe yes. in a world where they're very clearly the underdogs. Humans are, yes. we could be incredibly stupid, but when it comes to survival, we're pretty fucking good. And I think, as shitty as it is to say this, we would probably be pretty good until we hit the re Industrial Revolution and find out that we could slaughter them in masses with chlorine gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we become bastards. But, sure. but like Middle Ages, like when our highest technological achievement is like a trebuchet and they have this, you know, like if we try and face them in battle with pikes, they'll just rip them out of our hands and like eviscerate us. Uh, with their, yeah. you know, claws. Um, yeah, I, I don't see humans it's, being it's, stupid enough to be... Yeah. yeah, there wasn't a smart human in this show. Aside from uh, Somali. Aside from Somali and Hytora, the other human that we actually meet in the show. I... Yeah. Oh God. I I actually don't like Hytora, like, at all. I think he's an awful person. Um, no, he, he, because he is, but I mean... I think I, I love that storyline because it very much is a look, this is what happens. Like, yeah, yeah the humans were bastards, but, uh, but like at the same time, the beast tribes were like repaid blood with blood. And of course, blood's going to get paid with more fucking blood. So, yeah, like, there's, of, of there's no good people in this world. No, honestly. there's, there, <laughs> I mean, you feel, you feel for Uzui's, Uzui's mom, who oh, was just like, God. like picking flowers, but he was A, starving and B, like, like, yeah, he was, they were dehydrated, starving. They like, they, and this was the first thing he sees. Yeah, he's going to panic. And of course, like the first thing you're going to think is, well, they can eat us. Why don't we eat them? 
you know, right back. And of course that infects him and stuff like that. But I love that storyline so much for the first yeah. message. Um, Man, uh, it, harpies are pretty hot in this world. I agree. I'm, I'm very into that aesthetic. <laughs> I will say though, like from an animated standpoint, yeah, I'd be, I might be a little weirded out to see it in the real world. I'm not sure what the feathers around the eyes would do for me, but sure. <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I, yeah I, no, I, I loved Uzui and, 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 you know, I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, uh, her arc was was one of like stopping the the cycle of like hatred and revenge and stuff like that and being the the person who's like all right i forgive you you know even though you know sure all this shit happened it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna stick by you because you stuck by me and i'm like i like that i like that a lot yeah um yeah uh i mean we and we get more i i like the witches area i like the fact that yes. the witches were a completely different species yeah, yeah, they're more like blue-skinned people than, you know, like blue-skinned humans, with the ability to do magic and they live longer or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I, um, I did, I did enjoy the fact that that arc ended in a like a, it was essentially you know riding <laughs> that that killed humans because once all the beast yeah. tribes knew about the story of uh I, I can't remember what the younger witch's name was. Yeah, I can't remember it either. Um, but essentially, a witch who had lived in the past had had experience with humans. She wasn't killed, but she witnessed their brutality. And uh, like hundreds of years later, this you know this witch who was her uh, apprentice, you know, wrote the story down. The beast tribes read it, and they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna just kind of start systematically murdering humans because uh, we're not gonna deal with Honestly, that shit anymore." Fair, <laughs> yeah, fair. Um. um. Yeah, at the end of the show, because there's no real resolution in the show. We don't find humanity or mm-hmm. any pocket of humanity for Somali to live with. I was uh, telling Eric that if Somali was going to go one place, I hope she goes to live with the witches. Because I feel like she could fit in there the best out mm-hmm. of anywhere. And they could take her. No, I want to I wanna live with the witches. They could they could take this care of her, awesome. like her whole life too since they live for so long. Yeah, like they they she wouldn't really be imposing on them for too long in their life cycle. So no, and I mean she could work in the library mm-hmm. and just contribute. In the that library way, looks dangerous. It does look dangerous. Um, Those fish eating books. I was things. also saying I I would kind of hope that she would like if if not there then maybe with Shizuno and Yabashira because like being out of the way. Because uh, a lot of people do go to the library. A lot of beastmen go to the library. There was more of a chance that she would get found and, you know, hunted. Sure. Um, whereas with Chizuno and Yabashira, uh, Yabashira is a very strong Oni. Uh, and, you know, if she could help, you know, make medicines and stuff like that and, and just kind of hang out um, out in nature where she likes to be. Uh, so either mm-hmm. either way would have been fine with me. Yeah. Uh, but the main crux of the story is mostly about the golem. Uh-huh. At least towards the end. Yeah, he's, he um, starts kind of falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I really, really like the relationship that Somali and the Golem had. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I think the big climax is, like, they're trapped by a seemingly friendly old woman uh, 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 yeah. named Rosa, who, you know, smells the human. Old beast woman. Yeah, so she tries to trap him, and, and uh, the Golem goes berserk and actually a really cool scene um yeah i i thought it was kind of interesting that they went with just his arm fucking falls off <laughs> yeah 
but I mean, it, it does it does illustrate, you know, that he is like he could be really, really strong and ridiculously so if he becomes emotional. But because he's also nearing his thousandth year, he's also falling apart. Um, so, um, yeah. But they eventually like because he tries to go off on his own and just leave. He tries to leave yeah. um, Somali with Shizuno and Yabashira and uh, they go off and track him down and, you know. Uh, Somali essentially makes him promise <laughs> to stay yeah. with her. Um, I don't remember how much time he had left. Do you? Uh, uh, he has reached his thousand years, so it is an unknown amount of time. Yeah, I think they mentioned he's bucking the trend. Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't shut down yet, and and nobody really knows why. I'm not sure this is ever going to get another season, though, which kind of makes me. I sad. don't know. Yeah, because I think they've adapted all of the manga up mm-hmm. to this point. Um, and it's actually an interesting thing because um, uh, Eric did a little bit of research after we were done, and he found out that the order of the stories in the mm-hmm. manga is different than the anime. They mm-hmm. reordered stuff. Um, and like that book that the witches wrote, uh-huh. uh, they don't find that in the manga they're that's like their end goal is finding that book in like volume six or whatever that's out Uh they're going to like some town to go to an auction to try to buy that book they don't learn about it from the witches Hmm. so a lot of the story beats are kind of different um as well i wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna adapt more or if they're just gonna kind of try and change it up yeah i don't think the way they did it was bad um it it felt like it flowed pretty well yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Um, the ending kind of left me unsatisfied. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I will say, especially since I don't think there's going to be any more, it is kind of unsatisfactory. Um, but I, I enjoyed the journey a lot. And it, like the ending wasn't sure. like, um, at least I didn't hate it. It was just like, okay, well, yeah. I'm not going to get an ending to this, so that kind of sucks for... Yeah, the stories that did get an ending that were so good, it was just like, all right, well, and yeah, it's crazy. I could, I've been able to kind of like feel that thought. And as you were talking about the show, I was thinking to myself, man, this show sounds amazing. And and as you guys kind of finished up the review, I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds like it trailed off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's I mean, it was still too bad. it was still an emotional end, but it was an emotional end with uh, and they ride off into the sunset, and we'll see if we ever get another season. Please buy the Blu-ray. Mm. yeah um gotcha so at the end of the day i think i would probably give it uh i'm i'm between a 3.5 and a 4 honestly honestly around there i'd probably go with 3.5 um i'd say maybe just because of the end i don't know no you know what four four because i can't like the ending's the only thing that does it for that you know doesn't really do a whole lot for me. But I liked I liked all the other arcs a lot. Even if you know they did put me off to humanity. <laughs> I mean, I'm a history major. I'm put off to, by, to humanity all the damn time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think I I think I mean I feel like I'm scoring. I'm gonna score stuff a little bit too highly th- this time around. But I've, eh. I I like the show a lot. So four out of five for me. Yeah, I would give it a three and a half. Okay. Uh, I think the the ending wasn't great, and I feel like they were super heavy-handed with a lot of their themes. Mm. Um, 
I could see that. Um, but I, I enjoyed the characters, and I think the what? Excellent. No, go go ahead. Finish your thought before I. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, I enjoyed the character, and I thought the show looked fantastic. Yeah. No, we didn't even touch on that. Yeah, it actually it looks beautiful. Um, excellent op. Like that op blows yeah. me away. It's 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 beautiful. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Um. And not something I could listen to all the time, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my run with that op. You know. It reminds me of like a Disney song. It does. Or something. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad someone else. You should it. definitely go give it a listen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought I was being like too. I don't know. Knowledge or Mac? No, probably not. Like that. But yeah, it's it's very Disney esque, and not in a bad way. I I enjoy you know quite a bit of the Disney songs from the Disney Renaissance in the the late '80s, early '90s. You know, the Lion Kings and all that stuff. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, that was Somali and the Forest Spirit. Uh, the next show is another show I drafted. It's your episode this time. Yeah. <laughs> this is Chihayafuru Season 3. And uh, for those of you who have listened to our spoiler cast uh, a while back for Chihayafuru Season 1, you know that this is my favorite sports anime and I'm just going to go ahead and show my hand here. It's still my favorite sports anime. Um, season three picks up. Like, it's, been a, it's been a while. Actually, let me look that up. It, it is like they drop the, the story. Um, I won't say drop the story. They, they dropped the anime. Like they stopped making the anime um, in 2013. 2013 was, the last, like, was when season two ended. And it's taken until fall 2019 for them to pick it back up again. But man, did they not lose a beat in those in those years? They really didn't. Um, it picks up right where they left off. Like it leaves off on a cliffhanger in season two. Uh, I'm spoiling this for Jeff and Logan. Uh, you know, <gasps> with, uh, with uh, Chihaya and Taichi. Um, you know, going to uh, the 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 training camp. The uh fujisaki training camp fujisaki was one of the schools they played against in the uh the high school um karuta competition um and like they go it it stays the same as like season one and season two where they fit so much into these tournament arcs and the tournaments are really small i i actually i recently like listened to a lot of our spoiler cast to update the review archive and hopefully i remember to update the review archives after we're done recording this um <laughs> actually no i need to do that after the show updates you've uh, been hard at work at that <laughs> the, i feel like i feel like we should probably point out the fact that you've done all that because yes, please uh, look at the review archive <laughs> seriously oh my god but uh it's, it looks awesome listening to it i remember btag said something like uh, in other sports anime, like, like they'll fit a lot into like a season, but like a season could be one game. Whereas this one, they never, they never, I won't say dwell. They never like stick on one game. Um, they're like a game could be like just one, like at longest, a game will be one episode uh, and a tournament will at longest be actually this one. The, there's a, a fairly long tournament, but um, usually not that many, like three to five. Um but they fit so much character progression and for so many characters, not just Chihaya, not just Taichi, not just Arata, you know, or just, you know, the other uh, club members and stuff like that. But like 
side characters, characters we're just meeting in this season. And I never felt like I didn't know who somebody was. Even if I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm not the best with names sometimes. I knew who that character was based on their actions. Uh, and, and, you know, I knew like, I like, it took me a long time to remember Haruka Inakuma's name, but I knew that she was like the four, a four time uh, Karata queen. Uh, and she had, you know, two kids. And by the end, I knew she had one on the way. Like, I remember these characters because they fit so much into this, like, progression into just these little, like, bite-sized kind of uh, uh, competitions. Um, what do you call it? Um, yeah, the show had a knack you know, in the bit that I did watch of it you know, for building characters without it being very obvious how they were doing it. It just, you you found yourself getting attached to the characters very quickly. Yeah, um, and, and one... It's kind of like... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, it was just like a show we reviewed in the last part, um, you know, the, the Smile Down the Runway. It's just, it, you know, it just has a knack for, for making you feel attached to the characters and their, their kind of life situations. Yeah, I, I think the way they do that in Chihaya Fudu and the way, again, they've continued to do it in season three is uh, they really humanize the characters during the matches. Uh, a lot of times you'll see them kind of faking themselves out during a match. You'll see inside both, like here, see in here inside kind of both of their heads, like where they're at and how like, you know, Arata, who's like a really great player, can like sometimes get inside his own head and completely fuck himself. Like when he's trying to uh, uh, play for the Masters tournament, um, the, the Meiji tournament, and kind of gets inside his own head and tries to be something he's not. Anyway, uh, so I'll, I'll give a brief rundown. I'm not going to go everything, every, uh, everything beat by beat. But after the, the Fujisaki training camp, there's the Yoshino tournament. Major, 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 major spoilers. They're like, please skip ahead. Um, in, the, uh, in the Yoshino tournament, Chihaya wins her first, like, I think it's her first big, um, no, not her first one, because she, she won the A1. But this is like one of the first ones, times we see her win her first big uh, uh, six singles tournament. It's also, God, there's such a great moment in this series where, like, uh, Tai Chi's playing and all the other members from uh, Tai Chi and Chihaya's um, uh, Karata Society are, are there. Like, he realizes that even though it's a singles tournament, they're all technically playing uh, in a team game, kind of, because they're trying to tire out their opponents so that, you know, just in case they end up playing that person, you know, they've taken a little bit of the wind out of their sails, so maybe it'll be easier for them to play. And, uh, God, like, Taichi has this great line, like, it, like when he thinks it, he's like, man, being on a team is so great. And I'm like, God damn it, Taichi, <laughs> if I could do that to be bad. Uh, <laughs> fuck, that one got me really good. Like, later in the series, Taichi does kind of a 180, and I get pissed off at him. But that, the Yoshino tournament, is fucking fantastic. Um, tai Chi actually, uh, it's actually ISA versus Tai Chi in, at the end of that, uh, that arc, uh, really, really good arc. Um, I'm trying to think where it goes from there. Uh, 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 I think like the rest of the series pretty much is taken up by the, uh, the masters, the, the, the Meiji or the kind of like the male master of Karta and the, the queen, you know, female master of Karta, um, tournament, like the qualifiers, uh, Tai Chi, um, like a lot of people, like where Tai Chi and Chihaya live, like are in the East um, Challenger block, and then Arata's in the the West. Um, and uh, yeah, again, spoilers. Uh, 
Tai Chi, or not Tai Chi, Arata wins the the West block, like Challenger's block, and uh, Haru the Sensei, the um, the like fifty plus year old uh, doctor who's uh, Chihaya's, who's been Chihaya's teacher since season one uh, of Karata, uh, he wins the Eastern block, uh, and then there's a, a good string of episodes uh, of um, Harada versus uh, Arata, and uh, Harada Sensei actually wins. Uh, because again, tai Chi, or not Tai Chi, I keep saying Tai Chi. Arta, um, like, kind of gets in his own head and and tries to play like his grandfather, but you know, kind of finds out you can't really be anyone but yourself. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, we actually get some romance progression. <laughs> what? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, Arta actually. Uh, this is why I love Arta's character. Arta is oh. my favorite male character because he's honest, like honest with himself. <clears throat> just you know. Just says what's on his mind, and I think that that uh, kind of thing is kind of like portrayed that he's kind of like a country boy. He doesn't have that like the city boy kind of um, shame of like maybe being too forward or too direct that maybe you know people in Tokyo have. But you know, being from Fukui, he just kind of says what comes to him, and he actually like he asks Chihaya, you know, because he loses to Harada, and he's like, you know, how would you have done it? And she kind of gives him her explanation, and it's kind of simplistic. And he just laughs it off and says, I love you, Chihaya. He's like, please pick, please play Karata with me. And, uh, you know, Chihaya, being being the girl that she is, uh, kind of conflates that with, like, both he loves me, but also I want to play Karata with with Arata. Um, later on, we get more, and it's, yeah, it leaves off. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get to that. I, I don't want to. Okay. But um, the the final not the final episodes, but like a good portion of the final episodes are uh, the Masters and Queen Tournament. Uh, I kind of skipped over. Haruka, the, the mother of two, is uh, she wins the, um, the Queen qualifier. Um, they kind of, I feel like they, they focus more on, on the other players, but she does get quite a bit of uh, progression because she's, again, she was, she was the Queen for, for four years in a row. She lost her title. Uh, got married, got pregnant, and you know, after having two kids, she kind of dropped out, and she's just coming back. Uh, this season, there's a, a big emphasis on um, on uh, youth versus you know experience, and uh, Haruka and Harada are like you know we're going to show these kids like even though Haruka is not terribly old, like you know uh, Harada Sensei is, like we're going to show these kids that you know like, we still got it that we like. Y- it's not just speed, it's game sense, you know, that will, that will carry us to the Masters Tournament and the Queen Tournament. And then the Masters and Queen Tournament, um, uh, Shinobu and Suo, who are the current Queen and, and Master, uh, are forced to defend their title. And we actually get, because beforehand, Suo and Shinobu were seen as, like, these gods. Like, they're put up on pedestals in Season 1 and Season 2, like, completely untouchable. In this season, they're humanized quite a bit. Uh, Suo has uh, an eye disease where uh, his peripheral vision is just constantly getting worse and worse. And so this year he wants to retire <coughs> before, you know, he's not able, he, he's just going to have to quit. So, um, and uh, uh, Haruda and Chihaya kind of find out that his weakness is his eyes. So they kind of try and formulate a game plan around that. Um and we get some of his backstory about like his life as I can only assume an orphan. I have no idea what, what the deal with their house situation was. 
uh, <laughs> a lot of kids in a house. Either they're like my family or they're, he was an orphan in an orphanage. Uh, and then Shinobu, uh, I mean, she's more human than she used to be with the whole uh, weight gain and then very quick weight loss that she has in season one and season two. Um, uh, you see more of her, her home situation. Her mom is kind of an ass. Her grandma's kind of an ass. It's not a great house situation. Um, and she kind of feels like you see that she kind of feels that like that the, the cards are her only family and stuff like that. Um, and she actually, for the first time in a queen match, loses a game. <coughs> but she very quickly wins the next three. In, or no, she wins the first one, loses the second one, wins the second and fourth one. Or the third and fourth one. Um, so yeah, uh, we get a little bit more humanization of, of those two characters. But ultimately, Suo wins. Um uh, and Shinobu wins, uh, so they retain their titles. And Suo, when they're asking him about retirement, Arata is there. Like, he's sick as a dog, but he's there. And he, you know, it's very uncharacteristic of Arata to, to yell out. Uh, but he yells at him. He's like, you know, don't retire because I'm going to be here next year to beat you. Um, and Suo is like, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stall my retirement for one year for free. Um, and then the last block of episodes deals with kind of the romance that's kind of been lingering between like because we're we got like a triangle situation uh yeah. between uh taichi uh chihaya and adata and adata's already kind of you know made his his feelings clear and at some point like near the end taichi actually confesses to chihaya for the first time that he was the one who stole adata's glasses when they were kids and you know in order to make him lose uh the like the school caught at the competition and then picks that time to confess to her <laughs> um you know he tells her that he's loved her like all this time and like there's this really tense moment that i was so frustrated in because you hear the bell ringing and you see chihaya's mouth moving and i was like what what is she fucking saying apparently she was saying go men she said i'm sorry you know the whole she shot him down and i was like okay <laughs> the thing is though i was happy about that i don't like tai chi honestly i think he's he, i think he gets a lot of character development <laughs> but i think he's still kind of a piece of shit like he's still a coward um it's real real good of him to admit to one thing, but he still hasn't admit to the fact that every time Audit is called every time Audit has called him, he's always not told Chihaya what Arata wanted him to tell her. Um But yeah, so Chihaya shoots him down. So we get one resolution there. Uh however, because it was almost near the end of the third season, um because it's almost near the end of the third season, uh it essentially kind of leaves off on a cliffhanger, much like season two. Um, so <coughs> Tai Chi decides to quit Karata because he fails to be number one in his class because he's, you know, upset. And like he's been upset for like most of like the second half of the season because he's not doing well at Karata and all that stuff. And he feels like his his romance isn't progressing with Chahaya. Um, so... Uh, so what do you call it? Um, uh, he quits Karata, and because he quits Karata, 
Chihai is not playing up to her standards. They actually make the they actually like say something to the effect of like um uh like all the all the cards look pitch black to me right now. You know, and you know, in this typical Chihaya Fudu fashion, they show, you know, a field of black cards and you know, very well done and stuff like that. But <clears throat> um it's right around this time that Arata is finally getting his uh, high school karate club that he's always wanted because he's always been jealous of Chihaya and Taichi and their, you know, ability to, to play in school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a third year and, you know, this will be the last year he could do it anyway. But, um, <laughs> but like, he's finally getting it. So things are looking up for Arata, but very much down for Chihaya and their, and their, uh, their karate club. And uh, near the end of the, the show... Arata finds out that Taichi he he's they he finds out that both uh Taichi and Chihaya have quit Karata. Chihaya, I don't think she ever formally quit. She just stopped showing up. But Taichi actually, you know, formally requested to quit the club the Karata club too. Um <laughs> to continue with studies. Uh so yeah, massive cliffhanger we're leaving off on. Um <laughs> which I wouldn't be too sad about because I think this season did so well that I think it could sell enough to to make another season. But on the other hand, with the current crisis we have right now, I don't know when the fuck that next season's going to be. And I <laughs> need that next season. I love this show so goddamn much. Um, yeah. Uh, so again, excellent character progression. I I, I can't, in, in the span of, of our normal reviews... I can't emphasize how much they like they expand on other characters. Like Retro Kun, like gets a lot of uh, like even he gets like a, just a few little bits, but we start to see that he's starting to break down because he's not able to make Class A and he should be Class A at this point, and he's the next president of his Karate Club, and um, uh, what do you call it? Like Suo has like this this moment where like he uh, uh, what do you call it? He bets, uh, you know, uh, on his chance to play in the Meiji tournament and loses. And like him and Taichi come to an understanding that he can play in the Meiji tournament so long as they don't play each other. It's, it's a lot of really cool moments that I couldn't possibly cover. Like I didn't even mention Nikum, uh, yeah, like Porky. You know, the <laughs> I didn't even mention Tsukui uh, Kun, uh, Kanada. Like there's such great moments too for the like the new members. Of the Kata, of Chihaya's Karate Club, um, that they're, I don't know, like I, I keep using the word humanized, but it's like because before they're just kind of like tropes, you know, they're they're just they're one beat, they only do one thing. Um, like uh, uh, Sumire is in love with Taichi, and like her whole thing for a long time is just she's in love with Taichi. In this season, she comes to love Karata. She comes to see everybody's more of teammates rather than as you know rivals for tai chi and whatever um and she actually she confesses to tai chi and tells tai chi i want you to confess to the now i want you to confess to the person you love uh it's like really great character development for her so yeah I, i'm just gonna keep going on and on if if you guys don't stop <laughs> me so <sighs> it's a great show it's a phenomenal sports anime and yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I'd say, like, I have heard people, especially <coughs> after the review cast, a lot of people don't like the first season or think, you know, it's a little too slow. But, man, give that second season another shot because you won't be disappointed in the third. At least I hope not. 
Um, so I've been quietly listening to you this whole time, but there's a vacuum going on in my house. So I, <laughs> That's all good. I've been muted, but I, I mean, it sounds amazing. And uh, I'm actually shocked that they've managed to pull in that whole glasses thing. Cause you know, from like the first season when I watched it, I remember that as being a huge moment. Yeah. And the fact that, that they're still tying in kind of story bits from way early on in the series is amazing. It really yeah, is. I, I, I can't emphasize enough how much I love what they do with the story. I mean, uh, I really hope that if there's going to be, uh, like, um, what do you call it? Romance resolution. It's between Arata and Chihaya because again, I love Arata as a character. Yeah. I think he's my favorite. Um, and, uh, I mean, from someone who's watched only the, you know, the first, maybe half of the first season, I, if it seemed like the obvious kind of ultimate conclusion, but you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, at that tai time, Chi. Tai Chi did seem like a complete prick, but I, I, I mean, like <laughs> Tai Chi gets, he gets a lot better. And, um, mm. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe Chihaya actually does have feelings for him because she does, you know, get really just completely morosely sad. <laughs> when he quits Karata yeah. after, but I mean, what was she supposed to do? Like if she doesn't want to want to date him and he, he sure. does come off as a creep. I completely forgot about this, but like later on she chases him down and asks him why he, he quit and he forces a kiss on her. And I'm like, okay, dude, hmm, no, not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, after that I was like, all right, man, you ruined a lot of the, the good the good vibes i had from you early on in the season but again i don't come to i don't come to chihaya furu for just tai chi i come to it for the whole cast and i wasn't disappointed um with the amount they gave me so i'm going to give this a five out of five because this maintains its spot as my absolute favorite sports anime and awesome. please go watch it <laughs> sounds like they haven't broken stride no 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 they definitely did not at that okay uh this is uh, this next show is uh, another one of mine. <laughs> uh, I think the next two are. I, I drafted the last one right. I'm not misremembering. Yep. Okay, just just for the, all right. But uh, luckily, I have Logan on this one as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this show is keep your hands off the Azel Kitten, or uh, keep your hands off the Motion Picture Club. Um, this is a uh, studio science saru. Uh, anime. It's a you know, it's a uh, what do you call it? It's a Yuasa um, anime. If that tells you anything. Um, and yeah, uh, this is the story of uh, a a group of girls. Um, initially, uh, Asakusa and uh, Kanamori. Um, Midori Asakusa and, and Sayaka Kanamori, but I mean, they pretty much go by their last names, uh, who kind of decide that like Asakusa doesn't want to join the anime club, but she wants to make anime. Uh, Kanamori is... <laughs> well, well, Kanamori is a bit of a thug. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> She's an amazing thug. Um, and uh, one day they go to a screening uh, for the anime uh, club, like anime and uh at, at their high school i think i think their first years i can't yes, remember what exactly they are uh and uh uh a girl comes in you know to to sit beside them and watch the anime with them named uh, mizusaki or subame mizusaki 
And uh, a couple of, uh, for lack of a better term, men in black come in and try to <laughs> try to remove Mizusaki from the theater. Um, and uh, Asakusa and Kanamori uh, help her out and help her escape because Asakusa is a, uh, I don't know how to put this. She's an explorer. Yeah, she's very. Um, she's in a world of well her traveled. own. <laughs> she is in a world of her own. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that Mizusaki is a Ojo-sama, a very rich girl, and also like a fairly well-known model um, who is very interested in anime and wants to work on anime herself. However, her uh, her parents. Uh, supposedly have explicitly forbid her from joining the anime club. Um, so with that, the three decide to form their own club uh, called the Ezoken, or the Motion Picture Club, because technically an anime can be a motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after uh, kind of uh, wheedling their way into the, the you know, the... Um, uh, the club process of you know creating a club uh, by again calling themselves the Azoken and, and the school really wants a motion picture club and all that kind of stuff. Um, they set to work uh, making their first anime. Uh, yeah. So this this show. I guess, I guess we could go. Yeah, what, yeah. what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I guess we can go over this in like arcs. Yeah, I was gonna say there's three main arcs to this show. Three, pretty much four episode arcs, as far as I'm aware. Um, and yeah, I guess we can go arc by arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first, like the first arc is just mostly them setting up the club and deciding what they're going to make as like an inaugural piece. Yes. Um, which what they go with is. Wasn't it like girl fighting giant lobster monster thing? No, no, um, it was the girl was fighting that not the tank. first one. Girl fighting tank, right? The lobster monster was the other one, right, yeah. right, right. So yeah, it was it was a girl fighting a tank in like a, you know, those shonen esque like battlefields that are always somehow barren of everything. Just think of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, yeah, um, but these girls are nothing if not probably shonen fans. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Kanem or not. Yeah, maybe not Kanemori. I don't know what anime she's into. She's into. She's into money. <laughs> She's into money, yeah. <laughs> She'd be really into, like, uh, Shirobako, which, funny enough, people make, uh, you know, um, parallels to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, like, the second arc, the um, the the mech club or the giant robot club, or I forget what their, their actual title is, um, they see the Girl vs. Tank anime, and they're like, okay, we want to promote our club and we want to pl- promote giant robots, so please make a giant robot anime. And after some back and forth, uh, as I'm sure there is, you know, want to be in production of an anime, um, uh, there that anime is is like they they use the model of the giant robot that the giant robot club has, or the mech, whatever I forget what it's called, but yeah. uh, the um, and they it's like like mech versus giant like lobster monster. Um, and that one actually like, <laughs> it was the the crab toll the crab toll that's right uh and their final the final arc is uh uh they're setting up a a movie 
Was that in conjunction with another club or was that just no, that for themselves? I'm pretty sure the, it was the third themselves, one? right? Yeah, the third one. It was in conjunction with the shopping district. With the what? With the shopping district. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've watched these. Okay. It's been much <laughs> sooner since I've watched these. Yeah. Like I, I pretty much finished it when it finished. Um, yeah, yeah. So in conjunction with the shop, shopping district, uh, they, they decide to, to kind of promote the city because, again, Asakusa knows the city because she's explored so damn much of it. Um, uh, uh, to promote like the lower areas of the city that get visited far, far less. Uh, they make uh, an, an anime about uh, about humans. And aliens. And aliens, yeah. And the aliens just essentially well, become kappas. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and man. it's a really weirdly like kind of touching <laughs> anime that they make about like about uh like understanding culture and stuff like that the, this show is incredible um in the ways they can make seemingly just totally bizarre weird um storytelling actually feel like it's meaningful and touching um mm-hmm. yeah it it's <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. everything about it like uh, again people people make um the comparison to shirabako and i i definitely see that i would say that if you're coming at it from that angle like if you haven't seen this yet think of this as kind of a microcosm of the anime industry because obviously it's it's like shirabako shows you you know a full production team this is much much smaller but you see, you know, the directorial standpoint from Asakusa. You see the marketing and like, like just exactly, like, yeah, business standpoint from Kanamori. And Mizusaki is is like animation. the character design and 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 you know animation, yeah, motion and stuff like that. Um, I should have also said, yeah, and Asakusa is like the like landscape background type. Um, yeah. Every time they're thinking up something for an anime, even when they're not thinking of it specifically for the anime, a lot of times, you'll like, and you know, this is something uh, maybe more creative minds than me can attest to. Uh, but uh, like, they, I love watching them walk and just have these moments of like these spurts of creativity where they think of something, and uh, the show will animate it for you. So you see what they're what they're imagining in their head, yeah. like. Like a Sakusa riding around with a like, uh, like a propeller that kind of like hula hoops around her that just kind of like shoots her up in the air. Like that's not actually happening in real life, but it's animated for you, so you get to see their imagination, which is really just the best part of the show. <laughs> yeah, because their imagination is so out there. <laughs> They're all so weird. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just they they do such a good job of like taking inspiration from the world around them and just having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the when they go to that one restaurant and they're fishing for the crawfish, and suddenly the the restaurant's like underwater or yeah, whatever. And yeah, yeah. It's just it's wild. It's a wild thing. It's hard to explain, honestly. Or they're they're like repairing the roof and they're imagining they're out oh, in space. space. And, yeah, and and, and Kanamori plays along with it because she can't get out the door, so she busts through the side like she's busting through the side panel of the space station. Like everything about the show is just fantastic. I mean, I and I I think one of the things that got me the most is is how they like I wasn't really 
expecting it. Like even at the end, like so, so for example, uh, the end deals a lot with Asakusa's writer's block. She she's got this massive creative block on her, and she can't really figure out like where she wants to take the anime, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and um, because she can't figure it out, um, uh, she because she can't figure out like where she wants to take the anime. She's got like all this writer's block, and like the anime will show you like um like signs and stuff like that on the street and you see her looking at them but like you don't realize that like later on that's going to be in the show or in, i'm sorry in the in the the anime that they create within the show so the show within the show yeah. so like like there's a sign that says like beware of kappas and it's just like kind of like a joke sign but that influences her in making you know what she makes yeah um just like little parts of the show like if you catch them if you're paying attention it makes it into the anime and you're like, like it makes so much sense for Asakusa who is such a, like a exploration nerd who likes to wander around this really labyrinthian city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it just like, it's influences her so much that you could definitely see it in their anime. Yeah. Um, I I love how they do that. I really love that they reward you for paying attention with those little things. Um, Similar with, similarly with Mizusaki, like, You'll see like the little motions that she undertakes, and it, it's I love her character episode. Oh my god, um, it's so good. Yeah, where she like they they show how like she's always been really into like like figuring out how how things work, how things move, and kind of imitating it until she can perfect it herself, mm-hmm. and how that's translated into her animation um, that she loves to god. to make to show things in motion. Ah, oh, so and good. Like the, yeah, the little tea throw that makes its way into yes. it. The way that she holds her chopsticks wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, just all these like little things that you see throughout the show as you learn about these characters. And it's like the anime that you make is influenced by the people that make it. And they do such mm-hmm. a good job of showing that. The, mm-hmm. the anime they make is could only be made by Mizusaki Asakusa uh, and Kanamori. Um, and eventually Domeki who, and Domeki, who yeah. comes in later. Yeah. The uh the the sound designer who they save the, from her her club room getting shut down. <laughs> who's got like like a library of just random sounds. Uh yeah. Um, that was another fun episode when they go and record stuff for her. Like, yes. Like sound design. It, oh my god, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's yeah, it's no. like they they highlight things that people probably never think of when they're watching an anime. Um and they don't do it in like a glamorous way. It's <laughs> making anime isn't uh clean. It's it's a messy thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and like they, they highlight, you know, like the stress of deadlines and stuff like that. And you know, Kanamori is, is again the business side and she's like like working backroom deals in order to get them, you know, the stuff they need. Um yeah. oh my god, there's a an incredible line um that B tag put into the the chat um, when they finished their first anime. Uh, let me see. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Where's it? Where's B tag? Okay, yeah. This Asakusa says this like the day that they're delivering their anime. Um, when Kanamori uh, asks if you know if everything's done, Asakusa says, "I'd say it's less about finishing or completing the project and more the outcome of passion crashing against compromise and resignation." 
It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? You're in high school. That's also brilliant. It's so like, good. How many times have I like had to write a paper and just been like, all right, fuck, it's fine, good enough. It's good. <laughs> or like when we used to write reviews, same shit. I'm like, I want this out now. Yeah. Like I love the show, but that's about as good as it's gonna get. And then later on, like, and I love that too because they pick it apart. Like, like later on, they're like, oh, you know, could have done this differently, mm-hmm. could have done that. And it's so, it's. I don't want to say it's way better than it has. Like, it has any right to be for a show about high school girls taking anime, but it's way better than it has any right to be for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for a, a well, show about high school girls making anime. Yeah, I, I mean, it's clearly a passion project from mm-hmm. Uwasa and uh studio science saru something super interesting about this show um looking into it every episode had a different person direct it really yes i did not know that i think let me uh like if you go uh my anime list or no it was ann anime news network um, Isaacen. Yeah, let's look at the staff here. I, I guess that does make sense. I mean, like, but it still flowed really, really well. So I, I don't think I would have, I would have realized. So for storyboarding, uh, one person did episode nine, one person did episode four and ten, one person did five, one did one. A couple of people worked on some other ones. Uh, you also did the OP. Yeah, like there's a bunch of different people for each thing. Animation directors, there's like 20 people listed. Uh, episode directors, yeah, everyone either had like one or two episodes. Um, and also, I think for the voice acting side of thing, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that um, Mizusaki's voice actress, this is her first role ever. Wow. That that definitely blows me away. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it totally is one hundred percent. Yeah. Connor Morris has uh, a decent uh, list of things, but yeah, Mizusaki first first ever. Um, God, it's yeah, <laughs> she does so good. Kanamori is Kyo, the boy. Yep. From uh-huh. Cat Planet Cuties. We were looking at her. Uh, the the voice actresses for Kanamori is uh, Mutsumi Tamura. She plays a lot of boys, but she also plays. She's got a hell of a range. Looking at her, yeah, her she's... Kanamori, like I loved her voice. She's just very no nonsense girl. <laughs> yeah, very kind of monotone. Yeah, and, yeah. But I, I like that's the thing. That's another thing too. Is there wasn't a single character on like the the main roster and even a lot of the side characters there's nobody i could say that i hated that character or even really disliked i mean oh, man the, even yeah. the student i i love the the they, student they, yeah huh uh-huh no go ahead yeah I, I agree with what you're about to say yeah the, the student council president and like just the student council in general i loved their interactions with kanamori like yeah all the banter between them like the you know the <laughs> kind of sideways dealings i fucking love that shit so yeah it's it yeah the <laughs> the the whole student council thing is just so bizarre like the first time when they're d- presenting their anime at the budget meeting uh-huh. how like <laughs> all the different freaking clubs in this 
school. They're just so bizarre. Oh like God, the wasn't there one club? The 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 carb the, revolution club or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And there was like some club like trying to do research on a an amoeba or something like a protein amoeba. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so weird. We had to pause like several times during like the cultural festival and just look at all the insane club names. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, the student council was a lot of fun. They, you think they're the bad guy, um, but they're just trying to do their job. Yeah. And every every project leading up to it, uh, all the dealings with like the art club, the 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 you know robot club, and all that stuff. Like, I just I loved every bit of it. I mean, especially. I especially enjoyed the the robot club's passion for giant robots, even though sure. Asakusa and them are just like shooting that shit down. Like it's it's terribly impractical what you're what you're trying. Yeah, to <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments in the show was when the uh, robot club president is like giving his impassioned speech about robot anime and stuff like that. And then, like, he finishes, and Kanamori's like, well, that was dumb. And then we look over at Asakusa <laughs> and Mizusaki, and they're, like, sobbing. And uh, uh, Asakusa's like, yeah, space is huge, isn't it? I think about it every night. And then Mizusaki's like, I try to Hadouken every night before bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love how, how into it those two are and how Kanamori is the balance. But, yeah, I just, yeah, everything about it. And, like... The the robot club president running around the campus with the fucking the cardboard robot <laughs> suit. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's so realistic too. Have you guys ever been to like a Gundam panel at an anime con? Those people are die hard. <laughs> like it's another level of fandom that I just you don't know you don't know it until you see it like in person. Like I did go to a Gundam panel once, and it's mind blowing how much people know about robots and how passionate yeah. they are. Yeah. Um, one other scene I want to just kind of talk about because I just, I absolutely love this scene. It's probably my favorite sequence in the show is it's in the, the third arc when they're having the, the meeting with the teachers and the student council, um, about them attending the, what was it? A, the, the comic at a comic or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 And Kanamori, um, just arguing with the teachers about the ethics and like thought process behind students tr- trying to profit off of their works uh-huh. while in school. Uh-huh. I, I fucking love that. I love, I agree. With I love Kanamori so yeah. much. <laughs> I love her yes. arguments. I love that it, while she was arguing it, she was sitting like a fucking Yakuza boss, like, Arms yeah. over the chair, leg like one leg propped up, like head tilted back, looking like down her nose at them. Oh, she's so fucking cool. I love Kanamori. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's so fucking cool. Uh, yeah. There's just yeah. Dialogue in this show is fantastic. The characters are fantastic. The animation is fantastic. Um, Especially when they go into yeah. their imagination. God damn, it just becomes Yeah, the beautiful. imagination's pretty wild. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so weird sometimes. Yeah, like there, I, I, the one that sticks out distinctly to me is the there. I can't remember exactly what actually it is, but it's like, uh, like a river, and there's just like line art, and then like the camera kind of like shifts, and it goes three D, but it's still all the line art and everything. Oh, um, I don't know. yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they just do some really wild things. Um, 
that works really well. I think one of the other things that I really love too, and not to you know <laughs> prolong this too much, but uh, no, no, the yeah. is is like whenever they're in their imagination, especially when they're talking about like a vehicle or something that's supposed to move in a certain way, how detailed uh-huh. they go in with that. Like, no, no, you can't do that because you know, like, like. It's their imagination. They can literally do anything with it. But I love how how like they're they're willing to go outside the bounds of reality, but still stick within like certain physical limitations. It's like yeah. it's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, there, there's also the, like the one point where Kanamori is like in space and like using like some kind of glue gun, and she's like, "Well, as long as it works, it's fine. If it doesn't make a lot of sense, I can give myself a a break every now and then." Like even her imagination, she's willing to give herself, <laughs> you know, the freedom to just have fun with it. Right. Um, so. So who's your favorite character? That's so hard. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I have episodes where it's like Kanamori. I have episodes where it's like Mizusaki, and I've. But I think for the most part, it's Asakusa because I just, I don't know why, but I love that fucking little gremlin. She's so funny. She she is she kills absolutely me. a gremlin. Yeah, I just I, I I love that little tunnel rat. She's just ridiculous. Just the funniest, most out there character. I love the fact that she wears a fucking uh, camouflage backpack and hat to school. <laughs> just she's yeah. just the best. I don't know. What about you? Um, I love Mizusaki so much. Um, as someone who loves characters and character animation, um, one of Mizusaki's things is that she wants to make characters look good when they move, uh, like, and that like resonated with me. Like, yes, this is why I watch anime. This is why I love slice of life and slice of life anime <laughs> because they're able to just focus on characters and movement and making that kind of thing look good. Um, yeah, I, I just love everything that she does and she's just funny. Her sense of humor is. Oh weird. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love the fact that uh, like how, like, again, how just out there she is for a, you know, uh, like a model Lojosama instead of being like the typical Lojosama type character, she's like just as dorky as a socks. <laughs> yeah. Though every time money comes up, she, <laughs> it's pretty funny because she has no concept of what. Oh yeah. Costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah she's too rich to know what uh what it's like to be a sakasa or kanamori yeah, like what they she brings in like five million yen couches or something to their club room <laughs> asakusa accidentally stabs it with a fork <laughs> yeah she starts, starts freaking starts out adding it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, uh, I I actually this is a show I could see myself going back to rewatch in the very near future. Um sure. I I really love this anime and, and again not to prolong it too much but to score this sucker like if you're if you've been listening to me up until this point and you think it's not getting a 5, you're a crazy person. It is a 5 out of 5. <laughs> 10 times out of 10. Um yeah, I will definitely be giving it a 5 as well. Though I will say I wasn't a huge fan of the end, um, or at least how it ended. Um, It left me kind of unsatisfied in a lot of ways, because there are a lot of questions that are still not answered. Um, And a lot of interactions I was hoping that we were going to get, that we just didn't get. 
because they pretty much like show the anime and then it just kind of ends. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I, I like the way it ended because it ends with it ends like it started. Like it starts with Asakusa like getting introduced to anime because she's, you know, locked inside all day and and, you know, kind of falling in love with it. And it ends with her falling asleep in front of a couch watching anime. I don't know. I, I like that. Yeah, it's it's a good way to it's a good open and shut way to to do an anime, I think. Yeah, I guess I just wanted some resolution with the with the teachers and the the student council present after the uh, a comic convention thing. But uh, I'm sure if there was like another episode, they could have done something like that. But I was happy that I at least got yeah. to see the anime. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. I, I, does not detract from my enjoyment at all. Right. No, no. I was going to say definitely that this is definitely. As much as I love Shire Fruit and I do give it a five, this is my show of the season. <laughs> so, yeah. like, please go watch it. It's fantastic. Yep. And if it interests you, or if you are interested in kind of what it has to say um, about anime and the anime industry, I think, you know, going and giving Shirobako a look is worth it as well. Very different tone mm-hmm. and uh, style, but also very, very interesting. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay, last show. <laughs> <laughs> so this was also a show that I drafted, but this was one that all three of us watched. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so this is Nanabun no Nijuni, which or twenty two seven. It's a show that um, uh, we've been looking forward to for quite a while because we follow. Uh, the one of the idols, the real life idols, who's actually an American, uh, well, Japanese American, who you know moved back to Japan to become an idol, uh, Sally Amaki, and her ridiculous adventures on Twitter. <laughs> uh, she is a she's a, a glorious train wreck. She's a lot of fun to follow. No, she's not a train wreck, but <laughs> no, she's a train wreck. Her posts are pretty great. <laughs> I miss the ones when she used to get just lost in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the one that she posted the other day? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh my god! But um, so uh, the uh, the idol anime uh, none of or twenty two seven um, is very very different than most other idol anime we have covered. Um, it begins with uh, uh, Mew. Mew uh, Takigawa. Mew is a very shy girl, one of those types of girls who, like, you know, wears her bang low, so, you know, you can't see her eyes, like that kind of anime girl. Um, and kind of having a hard time at work. Uh, and she gets an invitation uh, along with, uh, how many girls is it? Is it eight? eight. Yeah, eight. There's along, eight total, so seven along, others. Along with seven other girls to uh, meet up at a zoo. Um, where they will be uh, offered a position in an idol group. Uh, Miu initially is, you know, kind of scoffs at the idea, but eventually goes there, and they're led to a building uh, that has all these great facilities um, that are all just specifically set up for this this up and coming idol group. Uh, and then they're introduced to the wall, this gigantic. Well, wall, wall, <laughs> sculpted wall. There we go. That's the best way I can put it. Um, 
It, it looks very much like a, a wall crossed with a like Roman fountain or yeah, something. Like, like a Trevi fountain, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're told that this wall spits out orders that the company follows to the letter. And the wall has recently decided that it that they need to make an idol group and that the idol group needs to have these specific members. No idea how they found out about the members or anything. It's just like all they say is, you know, the wall's orders are absolute. Um, the first, like after that, the first arc centers around Muse, you know, not wanting to, to be an idol because she thinks, you know, she's not good enough for it. You know, very shy girl, that kind of stuff. So the first arc, not to belabor anything, I'll just kind of try to quickly go over it, is... Uh, it's just breaking her out of her shell, and the the uh, the beginnings of twenty two seven and their first their first live, which uh, has a hiccup that uh, Mew overcomes, and she becomes the center of the group, <coughs> despite being obviously the most shy girl. Uh, from there, and we can go into them uh, later as we like. Uh, each girl gets a character episode, and you start to kind of realize that there's something of a through line that they all kind of have some kind of hang up or hang up or tragedy in their past um that are if not similar then it's very clear that they're not the standard you know i applied and wanted to be an idol uh kind of person um like so yeah that's a that's a large chunk of the middle is is you know here's a character episode for each girl um and you know some of those are better than others but we can get into that Okay, then I'm just, and I, again, just going to kind of rush through it, but the, the last arc of it, and we're definitely going to get into this, uh, the wall suddenly decides after all the character episodes, after all this buildup, because, you know, through the character episodes, they've been showing that, they, you know, they're getting more popular, they're getting more shows, they're doing this, they're doing that, right around the, like, just, well, yeah, before the, the one-year anniversary of, of the 22-7 group, the wall spits out an order that... The group's got to disband and then it starts spitting out more orders that like you're going to shut down everything like this building needs to shut down. Uh, everybody needs to disband all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the girls are just kind of sat there dumbstruck and are like, you know, what the actual fuck. Um, uh, later on, the girls come back after, you know, the some a very melancholy episode. The girls all come back to the same building. Uh, they go in front of the wall and they decide they don't give a shit what the wall says. They want to be idols. This is the last episode, by the way. Um, they quite literally break through the wall, which is a metaphor that we can get into uh, with uh, uh, the furniture in the, the room that the wall was in. They break through it. They find out that on the other side of the wall is a lot of like a like a dark room like a photo dark room with a lot of computers and supercomputers and monitoring equipment that has very clearly been monitoring them for the past year or so um and they walk out of this lab and out of this lab like there's like a, a, a large staircase that leads up to this door and through this door is uh, a concert hall where the the one year live is going to take place and they reform, they do their live. And that's kind of the end of the show. We'll kind of get into more of it a little bit later, but that's, I just kind of wanted to get into a down and dirty and now we can go into the rest of the show. Yeah. 
if you're lost, don't worry. It doesn't yeah. make any fucking sense. I it, like overall, you know, wall introduced wall spits out orders. Each order kind of spawns a character episode for each of the girls because each of the girls kind of hang a, have something that triggers backstories from each of the orders. And then at the end, Wall's like, eh, let's drop the group. And the group is like, at first kind of takes it. And then they're like, no, you know what? We're not going to take this line down. <laughs> Breaks through the wall, has a concert. Everyone is kind of happy, I guess. Uh, there's, there's, I'd say that's the there's summary. There's more orders at the end. And the order is, you know, more girls. Uh, and, and we mm. can get into that. If they listen to that fucking wall and going after the, everything, that it, I, I cannot no believe idea. that. But I will say, so the uh, the first, I'd say most of this show, honestly, until the last three episodes, I was very much on board. <clears throat> and I, yeah. I will say, <laughs> I'm still probably more on board than Logan is. But um, the thing that this anime does really, really well is the character episodes. I, th- I think yes. all of them are fantastic. And, uh, I think yes, some of them are more fantastic than others. But like I... I sure. will say that not a one of them, I came away being like, well, fuck that character. Um, and to yeah. be fair, that's like, that's 80% of the episodes. Yeah, that is, that is the vast majority of the show. Uh, and so if you're in there, in the, if you're in it for uh, the idols specifically, you're going to come away maybe okay if you're willing to overlook some stuff. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I mean, it, let's get into the, the to that beforehand. But um, I th- I would say... Kind of going negative first, my the weakest character episode for me, like which kind of makes me sad, was actually Sakura's episode. You know, Sally Amaki's episode. Yeah. Um, I I appreciated it, and it didn't make sense to me. And it is like like losing an elderly member of your family, especially like not just losing, but like losing them to like while they're alive to dementia is fucking terrible. I mean, it is god awful. Um, her reason for joining the idol group didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because her family is very, very wealthy and she could have come to see the, you know, the Sakura blossoms that her, you know, grandmother, her, you know, always told her about in Japan very, very easily. Um, uh-huh. But at the same time, I still, I still say that even though that's the weakest episode, I enjoyed the episode for the character interactions, that whole, the, yes. um, the photo shoot in the rain. Like uh, that's another thing. Yeah. This anime is actually very gorgeous. Uh, yep. Hey, one pictures did good. Yeah, they did a very good job with that. Um, uh, my, uh, God, yeah, I'd say my favorite character episode. Even though my f- my favorite character was Tora June because I I identify more with her. Oh my God, she is fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I I said that the wrong way. Tora June is my okay. favorite character episode. I love her character episode. I love her character. I I yes. no, I, I identify more with Miyako because she's got a big family oh, okay. and and you know I'm kind of the same way. Um, and uh-huh. I I try to approach things you know jokingly as much as possible. I'm not a terribly serious person uh, most sure. of the time. But June absolutely, if I'm remembering correctly, had the best episode. If I remember her episode correctly. June was the one with the, the uh, tr- like the tragic yeah, yeah, kind okay. of the, medical yeah. condition. I had to look at it real quick, but yeah, yeah. June is <laughs> June had the best character episode, in my opinion, yeah, like hands down. Um, Agreed. Uh, 
kind of really quickly go over it. Yeah, like Jeff said, her she had a friend. Uh, she she was in the hospital for medical condition. It kind of seemed like like really heavy asthma to me, um, which you know makes sense. I my actually my dad when he was a kid uh, spent uh, like many years of his childhood like in hospitals and had to travel to Arizona for the summers to um, to be in like a drier climate. Um, so like that's understandable. Uh, but she has a friend who's like you know got. Like June as a kid has got like is really, you know, down and sad about her her lot in life being a, you know, very sickly child. And her friend is, you know, very upbeat and willing to see the positives. And then her friend passes away and probably I, I, I think I won't say I wasn't really expecting it because um, it, it kind of felt like that's the way the episode was going. But uh-huh. the impact of that was not what I was expecting. It was the. The voice actress they got to play the mom to cry over her dead child did a phenomenally (laughs) awful, awful, but phenomenally accurate job. Like, I was like, oh, God, I can't watch this. Yeah, that that episode was hard to watch, but it was it was very touching, and it made in June in general that episode was like really kind of like a gambare. You know, she was doing her best because everyone was yeah. I think that's um, the thing too, is that it really it, it humanized the Genki character because she, it was like, well, why is she always this like smiley and hip hip hooray happy? And it's like because yeah. the, and like at the end of the episode, she's she's living life for both of them. And I'm like, that is such a fucking good message. God damn, yeah. you knocked that out of yeah. the park, twenty two seven. But yeah, like that, like that, and that's the strongest and weakest. So between that spectrum, all the other episodes fall like on a line from that. Um, I will say uh, probably Akane's is probably kind of weak too, but I mean, I still, I yeah, I wasn't a big fan of her. I understood why, like, like I, I've, I've been in a family that's broken up before, and I know that it shuts I, you down. It shuts you down. I liked hard. young Akane. I liked young Akane so much, and I kept wanting to after her character episode for her to kind of show some of that personality that she had in her younger years and. She never did, and that really bothered see, me. It didn't bother me at all. I, I, I want like I didn't like it, but I will one hundred percent get where she's coming from as someone who came from a you know divorced family, especially when like you're a kid when you're when you're old enough to remember fighting in the household. Fuck, that sucks. Awful. Sure. Um. So I understand where Akana's coming from. I don't like it either, but I mean, I, I mm-hmm. it makes sense to me. It's not something that I I can just kind of. It makes sense. It just it was it was bothersome because because she was so likable and because like because of what happened to her, she kind of lost. That, I think she would just be another Genki character if she if if she, the change hadn't taken place, though. And I mean, I suppose I, I like my idol groups to have a, a range of personalities. Maybe I'm just I'm just what the focus group. <laughs> not orders. a fan. Not a fan of the soulless Megane, though. <laughs> yeah, I liked her. Not my favorite, but I liked her. Um, but yeah, OK, so uh character episodes aside which again (laughs) the highlight of the series uh the ending so when i first came into the show uh it was i mean it's very different like it was interesting it kind of gave me almost i I think i mentioned it to you guys that kind of gave me monaco vibes that it was like you know like almost like super like like supernatural mixed with idols which is something we haven't seen before the fact that it wasn't supernatural was I see if it, if they had like they really could have jumped the shark with like oh it's aliens or something like that. Uh 
Uh, yeah. But um, I'm not saying I would have wanted that. I'm saying that could have been really bad. But um, the fact that we still don't know who it is, like there were clearly humans behind that wall. Um, and I mean, Gret- it wasn't anyone we yeah, know. Yeah, that's that's just right? it, I mean, though. Is that like the wall and? I, I I was gonna let you guys give your opinions on it first, but I feel like I need to say it. Like I actually really liked the wall. I mean, initially, I, I liked yeah. kind of. I liked the the how different it was. I kind of liked what I took as an allegory that it was. It was kind of a representation of the dark side of the idol industry, which we all know exists in the kind of orders passed down that are to be followed, and the idols are kind of not really considered for what they want. Um, and while I kind of, I mean, at times, obviously, I hated the wall itself. I realized that it was instead of having the faceless producer telling them what to do, it was the wall telling them what to do. And I liked that while it kind of represented that dark side of the idol industry um, and the fact that that was what brought the girls together. So you have to give it credit. You have to give the dark side of the idol industry credit because it's what gives us idols. But what makes the idols great is the fact that that's, you see their personality, you see them quote, break through that wall, you see them get out and be themselves and do their best. And I feel like I've seen that with a lot of idol groups where at first you see like, they're just kind of doing what they're told. But as they hit their stride, they become themselves, they they find themselves. And I really felt like this show did a great job of kind of representing that. But that's my, my, that's my take on the wall, which I, really, I mean, I actually, liked I know, I, I did like it. Like, I, I liked it up until that, like, I get that, like, they're being told and stuff like that, but man, like, just an ev- another episode to say who was doing this. And, like, so the producer guy, I don't remember what his name was, um, he doesn't, uh, he, he's not there when they break through the wall to see what's on the other side of it, so he's never seen what's on the other side of it. All he has right now are another set of orders that are, like, like, I guess they got orders that were, like, psych start setting up for the first anniversary live and we'll see if the girls do it, which what were they going to do if the girls didn't show up? <laughs> like <laughs> just an empty stadium full of people with light sticks, or actually, I guess it was their cell phones. Uh, just kind of hanging. I kind of like that. They, they played the music for the concert with all of the people's cell phones, right? Something I like mean, that. Is that. Did I understand that I think correctly? So. I thought that was kind of, yeah, neat. I think they did that. That's a logistical nightmare. It is a logistical nightmare, but in terms of metaphor, like I think I, I agree with you, Jeff, that like metaphorically, like they do some really good stuff, but still knowing who the people behind the wall and what their aim was would really help just instead. Like if, if you were going for metaphor, then go for supernatural. Like go for don't 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 make what's on the other side of the wall nebulous science and you know monitoring gear with nobody operating it. Like so if this Yeah, I would have rather AI actually, because that was hinted at at yeah. one point where it was just an advanced well, AI. It, I would have much totally rather could that. be if like because there are supercomputers in there. However, there's a bunch of equipment that's that wouldn't like the like the um the, the Someone dark room is stuff. in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hands are needed for that. So uh, unless there are robotic hands that I missed in the shot, uh, like humans are running that. Now, yeah, I actually would actually, yeah, because I was thinking aliens, but yeah, AI, AI would be would be great. Like some crazy fuck made like an AI and he's like, all right, man, make the perfect idol group or, you know, some stupid shit. Uh, it wouldn't make a ton of sense, but it would be like, okay, this is in keeping with the kind of out there 
thing that's been driving the the you know metaphorical change in these girls or the you know the showing how you know the idol industry works i agree with you on a lot of those points it's just like and i i liked the again we and i think we talked about this before but the like it's i won't say it's it's not heavy-handed but it's pretty obvious the them breaking through the wall is them getting through you know over their hang-ups you know it's, <laughs> it's not a hard metaphor obvious. to find out like you you, you uh, need to be a blind man not to see that but sure. um it it's incredibly frustrating that they do that and they say fuck the wall and we're not going to do what the wall says anymore and then they just go do exactly what the wall wants them to do well, they don't they don't know well i guess they do at that point but i mean I guess the only other thing they could have done once they got out there on that stage is start singing Fuck the Police by NWA because that's the only way they could do <laughs> better ending. Better ending. Oh, that'd be amazing. I, I need to hear Japanese people try to sing that song. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I still liked it. I mean, I, I agree with you, Logan, on a lot of points that it just a lot of it's just like, wow, that was kind of dumb. Uh, that didn't need to be there, but. I, I still, at the end of the day, even though I wasn't crazy about the ending, I love the character episode so much that I just can't hate the show. So, even even Nicole's episode, I love, like, I came to really like Nicole, uh, the Saito, uh, Nicole. Um, uh-huh. Her, even her character episode, like, it was like, why don't you guys, I mean, why don't you guys remember each other? Yeah. Well, Nicole remembers Mew. Does she? Mew doesn't really. See, I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I is Mew's memory that well, bad? Because I, like, it, like initially, I was like, okay, they don't remember just because they were little kids. If I, as a little kid, went and beat the shit out of some kid on stage, I would remember who I beat the shit out of that person for. <laughs> oh well, don't forget the after credits piece where Mew got hit by a bus. Like she forgot everything. Uh, right? oh, I'm just oh, joking. Yeah. Just joking. <laughs> Someone's going to go back and watch that. No way. Just like drop everything. <laughs> They're going to come back and like, yep, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. And I this, mean, this is also like, if you read the lyrics of the song, this is a Keakizaka 46 type of, type of idol group. Mm. very melancholy songs which i dig but yeah. really are not for everybody especially not every idol fan not not for me i i hated i loved it so show. much i love that like hauntingly beautiful kind of like longing type of music god i fucking love that shit um maybe that's why i like country music <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, god i love i love sad songs i like happy songs too but uh i i, I appreciate having a balance in my idols uh anything else you guys want to add um hate's a strong word by the way i can't hate anything idol related i dislike the music in this song oh i well i hate i hate everything in the show not idol related yeah okay there you go that's fair (laughs) (laughs) um i yeah a lot of the show frustrated me i think the characters are fantastic uh the eight girls for the most part um loved june loved ayaka um, and loved Miyako. Those are like my three favorite. Um, but like everything from episode 10 on just made me want to punch a wall, throw something. Um, the fact that the wall tells them to shut down and everyone just does it. It just made no fucking sense to me whatsoever. No one grew a backbone at all. 
at any point. I mean, a lot of the people are productions. Like the the idols definitely didn't want to, but I mean, you paid them enough money. If you're well, if you're still paying them. like if people are asking you why are you shutting down for no reason, say something. I don't know. It it just it was all so baffling to me, uh, and it made no sense. I just I hated it so much. Oh. I'm hoping there's another season just just to kind of cover more. And I I'm assuming based on the end bit that we're going to because there's going to be three more girls because those girls are actually part of the group right now like in real life yeah and they have been for a while if i remember correctly um if if they follow another order that that wall gives them i just i can't even (laughs) i cannot i will definitely be following this some more i i'm hoping for a better resolution but so long as they keep me in those character episodes i'll be happy yeah yeah it's like for me um i didn't like the wall either but i liked what they the story did with the wall and you know i I kind of appreciated i'm not i I like i'm not gonna let the wall ruin this because for me that the show was about the idols and every moment i spent with the idols i really enjoyed so um Uh. but it's not it's it, it certainly wasn't it didn't tie everything up with a, in a nice pretty bow in the end, obviously. And, um, you know, I'm hoping we get another season. I, I kind of liked what I saw of the new girls that they kind of briefly introduced in the end. I mean, there wasn't much <laughs> yeah. to see, but, I, you know, they, they appear to be kind of fun. And, um, yeah, I'd love to spend some more time with these characters. So with that, uh, let's score this sucker. Uh, given everything I've said, I want to give this a four, but I can't go above a 3.5 because the ending still does. It leaves too much for me. Um, I love, but I mean, and if I didn't love these character episodes, this would be a much, much lower rated show, but I can't overstress how incredible some of those character episodes were. And, and we didn't even touch on it, but how amazing each ending was because each ending is sung oh, by yeah. a different girl every it is and they're yeah. they're fantastic i want all of them um yeah yeah so that's true i shouldn't say i disliked all the music in the show i forgot that the endings had the, um they had the different endings yeah. for each show and so. I, or, again i i love all the music so i want all of it even though i already have i think some of it um but yeah i i have to give this a 3.5 out of 5 Logan, I'm curious what you're going to give it, man. Oh, <laughs> God. It sounds like it left a really bad taste in your mouth, but was the, I, uh, I feel you know, like was I, the first bite good enough? Yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean, the character episodes are so good. Um, but that wall shit just... I, I can't get over how stupid that was. Um... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think... Fuck. I think I'll give it a two and a half. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it a 4.5. I loved yeah. it. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I Ugh. um, it, I I didn't have as much of a problem with the wall. Uh, I guess I just kind of viewed it a little differently than mo- most people. And I know I'm, in the, I'm not the norm because I haven't seen another person actually enjoy the... Not the wall itself, but what they 
kind of did with the wall. So, um, and I loved that scene where they just like picked up the furniture and smashed through it. I mean, it's just, it's so unidle like, and I freaking loved it. It was um, great. And then everything that followed just made that just pointless. It, it Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would have liked, I think again, if, if they had said AI, I would have been much happier with it. The fact that there was just like people behind there. But again, I'm like thinking these are the faceless producers. There's probably people who make decisions for these idols all the time that they've never met. Um, and I guess I just I just looked at it that way. I, I continued to just kind of view it as the the dark kind of money money grubbing kind of all they think about is the financials and how to be successful uh, producers. Well, if that's and, what they're going for, then they're fucking up really bad. <laughs> it was interesting, yeah. Like I, I don't know. That was one question I had was like, did the wall kind of was the order for them to shut things down? kind of designed to create because everything that the wall did ultimately ended up with a good result. Um, it always created like a good thing for the character. It wasn't a good situation that it put them in usually. I mean, they were usually uncomfortable, but that on that this comfort led to a good result. Um, and that's true for the end too. I mean, it was horrible what the wall put them through and the whole kind of press conference when they got grilled about shutting it down and why aren't you telling us why you won't shut down. And, um, but ultimately it, it led to a good result. And it's almost like, did the wall mean for that stuff to happen or was it the girls? And that's kind of an interesting. I don't consider that a good result compared to what it could have been if they had just continued. I feel like it's like taking five steps back. I I feel your idol group. I felt like they came together despite the wall in the end, which I liked. It was like, they made the decision to do what they did despite the wall's orders, which I thought I think, was, I think I would have rated the ending higher if that was like, if that is the case, you know, like they did come together despite the wall. I would have rated it higher if instead of like wandering out and just into a, a you know, a, a stadium full of people, they, you know, went out, they broke the wall down. Like my ideal ending, they break the wall down. Yeah. They find out it's an AI like, all right, fuck this shit. And they go and they become a Chica Idol group. Like an, they start from yes. zero. That would have been my <laughs> yes, idea. Yes, please. But that would I did, nice, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for the ending. Uh, but I'm really hoping if they do make another season that they very quickly ditch a lot of that shit and just just focus on the idols. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I wouldn't like. I I didn't like, and I should say I didn't like, and like you said, Logan, um, the fact that the walk continued to kind of remain there after they broke through it. I, I would have loved for the wall to not be mentioned again. The wall was broken. It never gives out another. See, that's order. what I'm saying, though, is, yes. that, is that the producer yeah. didn't see them break through the wall. And all he had with him was just a, a series of orders. I would hope that if a second season started up, second season starts up, they get off stage. Producer says, you know, it's got some of this and all that stuff. They tell him about what they found. And he's like, well, fuck this shit. We're a Chica Idol group now. I'm your no, producer of the Chica that's Idol That's not how the show ended, though. What do you mean? Because the wall spat out the new order for the new girls after the concert. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the, the orders that he had were to set up the concert. He doesn't have the... So oh, what I'm okay. saying is they, they come down. Sure. Uh, maybe he's like... Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they integrate the new girls at that point. <laughs> I, I'm sure they can be like you know, put out the call and they just randomly end up with the girl, the exact girls they were looking for or the wall was looking for. But, um, 
I think I think the ending it really is just how much it affected you, and I think we're seeing that in our in our scores. Uh, sure. And I I'm glad that we like at at the very least you know um, was was this is an unusual though. kind of we're not on the same page thing too. I'd say that these these scores are about as different as we've ever had in a show, which I kind of like. I mean, we don't often have you, this type of reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. So what does that come out to? 2.5, Oh, I'm dumb. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention I'm not a math major? <laughs> uh, I actually pulled up the calculator for that shit, too. I was about to start doing it. Anyway. All right, well. Proud of you. <laughs> oh, man. I can... That's uh-huh. it. Yep, that's it. That is That is winter 2020. Who knows when we're going to be able to do spring 2020. It's a hell of a season, man. I mean, I'm looking at our scores and and we averaged four plus uh, for the season. So we had very few shows below four. Um, yeah. We had a few fives. Oh, we had one, two, three. We had, wow, we had three fives. five fives today. To be today. fair, Mike, like the, the five fives? No, I'm sorry. Five never mind. Five. I was looking at yeah. the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> We had two yeah, fives had two today. And, you know, yeah, three fives overall. Take one with a grain of salt because it was yeah. just me <laughs> doing that review. So <laughs> well, sure. when it's just you, you get to make, you get to set the standard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like I, interspecies reviewers, if you guys had watched that with me, I might not have been a 4.5. <laughs> overall average, I should say. Could have been a five. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fun. I mean, I think we got some good discussion out of these shows, and hopefully, you guys dug it too. Um, I was, I was really looking forward to twenty two seven because I knew, I knew we weren't going to agree on it. So I was really excited to to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah. One. Um. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff's getting uh, getting delayed and stuff like that. So. I did want to mention that. Yeah. yeah, we we found out, unfortunately, AX 2020 has been canceled. Uh, Fanime, which we were excited to have Carlos go and do our first panel, mm-hmm. that was canceled. Well, I, I was, um, I mean, that that as well. Uh, but uh, I mean, like yeah. a lot like anime. So we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully the spring season won't, you know, there won't be too many further delays. I mean, we definitely understand if there are. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll... We'll keep you entertained yeah. until then, until our next. Exactly. Uh, you guys might get to hear us do some off kind of like out of routine topics over the next few months. If this, <laughs> if we do have a lot of cancellations, I mean, you, like it you seems definitely like we will may. anyway, because the, the patrons are definitely, the patrons are definitely seeing that our, uh, our episode yep. directors as we call them. So, and you could definitely become one of those too. If you sign up for uh, our Patreon, our, on our Patreon page. Yeah. yeah. And we, appreciate in fact i think probably we should probably shout out all the patrons in the intro i was thinking about doing it at the end but it maybe makes more sense in the intro um let's do it at the end i would say the end is probably the way Mm -hmm. to do it yeah yeah Yeah. our intros are our intros (laughs) oh we should uh we should uh read people's things uh because i did ask oh did we have our views back yeah yeah um, uh, I see, see, I see. Yeah. Didn't copy him into the thing, but that's fine. Uh, um, where do they start? B tag at on April first. Okay. Uh, um, I'll take. Yeah, so I asked for people's top fives. 
So go ahead. I, sorry, I thought you were going to go into it. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I'll I'll take B tag. I was actually in the middle of saying I'll take okay. B tag, and I think we just I just stepped I, on your I, toes. I, <laughs> <laughs> My toes. <laughs> we haven't been doing this for four years, I swear. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, B tag says his top five are. Uh, you know what? Should I go five to one or one to five? What are we doing here? <laughs> You can go five to one. Five to one. Okay, yeah, I like doing it that way. Okay, so his number five is imaginary fifth show that I didn't watch. I forgot he wrote that. B tag, you trolled me. Uh, his number four, smiled on the runway. His number three, interspecies reviewers. Hell yeah. His number two, is uh, Azelken, and his number one, Haikyuu season four. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you want to take native? Native. Um. Didn't give a five, but uh, he gave number three as the one episode of interspecies review, uh, interspecies reviewers uh, that he watched with the bottle symbolism. A bottle of I forgot symbolism. about that. Oh, I love you so much, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two was Hanako-san, and one was Azoka. Oh God, the bottle. Zafron. <laughs> <laughs> um, she gave us three. Well, technically four. Um, B stars is somewhere in there, but we're it's a hard one to classify uh, with how it kind of came out. So B stars is one. Uh, her third pick was My Hero Academia. Second, Asteroid in Love, and her number one of the season was Chihayafuru. Nice. Chihayafuru. Chihayafuru. Uh, all right, Ayu. Uh, his top five. His number five was Hanako-san, which we didn't review. Um, Smile Down the Runway was number four. Azokan at number three. Inspector in his second spot, and his number one goes to Bo Fury. Bo Fury. Bo Fury. Bo Fury. Bo Fury. That was the the defense girl MMO one um, that none of us watched. I heard good things about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That. So that's another thing is uh, if if we missed a show and you're like, you know, you got to watch that. uh, a, we have a group watch, which, you know, is free. You don't have to be a patron. Uh, and you can come in and nominate that show and be like, watch that damn show. And we'll eventually vote on it. It'll, uh, we have a cumulative scoring. But if you're a patron and you want one of these shows, uh, then we do have um, uh, some reviews coming down the pipe uh, that you can you can definitely get in on. Uh, check out the, the tier system on Patreon. All right, who's next? Um... I just want to say, Ayu also says that Haikyuu is arguably the best thing that he watched this season, but he left it off since it's more of an amazing show overall. It's continued. Mm. So, hell yeah. Go Haikyuu. <laughs> uh, Demo. Um, number five, Science Fell in Love. Number four, Somali. Three, Bo Fury. Two, 22-7. And one, Bang Dream, Bang Dream Season 3. Yeah, Demo's a fellow... Idol fan, so it's kind of cool to see those top two. Yeah, definitely our resident bang dream guy. <laughs> I'm sad to see 22-7 on anyone's <laughs> list. Um, Manson, uh, his number five, Smile Down the Runway. Number four, Toilet Bound Hanako-san. Number three, Welcome to Demon School Iruma. Uh, number two, Bofuri. And number one, Fate Grand Order. Oh, sorry for my review of Fate Grand Order. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't too harsh on it, was I? No, I don't think I was. I like the the combat. It was good. All right. Uh, last but not least, our own companion, Kube, uh, says uh, at number five, Inspector. I was excited for all of it, uh, and it still totally subverted my expectations and many tropes of the yokai genre. 
Number four, a smile down the road, right? Biggest surprise of the season. Number three, high Q to the top. Is that the the title? Yeah, that's the season four. Oh, yeah, to the top. Cool, cool. Um, it's more high Q. Um, number two, uh, ID invaded. Great sci-fi drama. And number one, Azuken, legitimately threatening top ten all time. Seriously, I'm pretty sure he actually did put it in his top ten. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's winter 2020. Okie doke. It's a good one. Yeah, I could watch some anime. Yeah, I'd say this was a good one. And there's a few here, uh, that people kind of nominate as top five that we didn't watch. So and hopefully we get a chance to get back to those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this time. Um, let's see. Yeah. Let's shout out our patrons real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess they're all in our Discord, so we can just yeah. look at that. Um, we have a Disco Jesus DJ. Thank you very much. Uh, we got Manson as a, a patron. We have Vetros. Um, Damo as a patron. Seismic Wolf. Sapango. And Zafron. So the seven of you guys right now. Oh, well, <laughs> no. You have to think of even though he's your roommate. <laughs> Eric yeah, too. Guys, I I have to say you've you've your generosity and support has blown me away. I never expected this, and I think I speak for the three of us when I say that. So um thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I we weren't expecting half this, honestly. Like half the number of people, half the, the money. We really weren't expecting any of it. So we we very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. And hopefully we entertained you today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if you would like to get into our Discord to uh, share your thoughts on this last season, to tell us what you're liking from this current season, uh, to learn more about our Patreon and all the fun things that we do in our Discord community, uh, you can find us on our various social medias. We're on Twitter at Anime underscore Arcade. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Anime Arcade. We are on Instagram at The underscore Anime underscore Arcade. Um, our email, mail.animearcade at gmail.com. Our website is animearcade.net, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash animearcade. So if you feel like supporting us, please yeah, do. please do. We will, uh, we will say thank you very much. And you can, very, and if very, you're not very in the Discord right now, if you, if you, like, you can get into the Discord for free, like, just by, you know, sending us a message like we say on every episode, but Patreon yeah. is directly tied to our Discord. You will immediately get... I don't want to say shunted in, but shunted into our our den of wolves, and you'll have the <laughs> the, the patron only episode director tag uh, as soon as you enter. Shunted in sounds really bad. Yeah. I should have thought of something else. Damn it, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> We're not writers. We're not writers. <laughs> hey, on that, on that, guys, it's been wonderful talking these shows. Yeah, with you. a lot of fun. Yep. it's been a good season. Yep. Hopefully the next one is uh, is good as well, but I'm a little nervous about it. Hopefully the (laughs) corona goes away and we can all go back to normal anime. There you go. How many coronavirus anime are we going to get after this uh, whole thing? I don't think anybody wants to be reminded. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. Catch you next time.
Welcome, everybody, to episode 121 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm here with Logan. Yeah, you cut, cut out. out. <laughs> you cut You want to try again? <laughs> Damn it. Um, okay, let's yes. try it again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everyone, to episode 121 of the Anime Arcade Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm here with Logan. You've got to be kidding me. It's unfucking. You've got to be kidding me. It's okay, Jeff. Yeah. Well, let's try one more time. Who are you calling first? Logan first. Okay, got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, you can put it, this as an out as an outtake. It or really something. is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do this again. <laughs>